is Monday, April the 11th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. I've got a couple recap, reviews, deep dives of Moon Knight episodes 1 and 2 on this episode with Tim Kelly. We're going to talk a little bit about the NBA playing games. Dave Handelin joins me to preview what the matchups look like this week. We spend about uh, 30, 40 minutes or so diving into the Tuesday games with Cleveland and Brooklyn and the Clippers and the T-Wolves and Dave is the radio stati- statistician for the Timberwolves so he knows that team very very well. We talk some NBA with Dave, a little quick hits on the Masters to begin and then we'll get into the Kentucky Derby. The fields are pretty much set now. I mean we know what the top 20 looks like. I'll run through the, the list and <clears throat> kind of run through everyone's resume. We'll do the same thing for the Oaks for the top 10 and just kind of get a feel for what those fields will look like as they continue to take shape. We finish up with our deep dives of Moon Knight episodes 1 and 2 on this episode of That's What G Said. That is presented by Better Than Vegas. Go give them a follow right now on social media at BTVBets free content for you, for you handicappers, for you gamblers, for you sports fans. You're a fan of baseball, basketball, football, soccer, preview shows for all of the big games or major events, tournaments, all of it's free with handicappers and gamblers from all around the world who just want to help share their information, provide the analysis and share some of the insights that they've had. Uh, you know, my buddy Eric's on there quite a bit, uh, the crew includes uh, Beho, Brian, Kyle, Blackjack, Leo, who does a fantastic job over there. Lots of great guys over at BTV. Everything's free at BTV with all those live streams, all those videos just helping you out. Opening weekend from MLB. We'll wait till a little later in the week to, to really dive in. Everybody's played what, three or four games. I think we have only one team that's undefeated so far, and everyone's got at least one win really hard to dive into who's playing well or not with such a small sample size. So we'll wait a few more days and then later in the week on the uh, the weekend preview episode, we'll talk about what's been going on in baseball and uh, look ahead to any big series coming up over the weekend. We did have the Masters and Scotty Scheffler gets the win. Big thank you to Josh Burrow and Scott Shapiro, who helped out last week talking Masters and previewing the event, and that was Josh's pick. And he was like 12, 14 to 1, something in that range. He was awesome all weekend long, Scheffler. He led basically the entire weekend. He, the only time when he really (laughs) sort of let his guard down and screw up was at the very, very end, and it didn't matter because he had such a, a wide margin at that point. He has now won four of the last six tournaments, and those are the the only four tournaments that he's ever won, all within the last like, 55, 57 days or so. An incredible stretch. He's the fourth player over the last 50 years with four PGA Tour wins in a single season before the end of April, joining David Duvall, Tom Watson, and Johnny Miller. And he got a very emotional when talking about this, apparently he, you know, this morning in the morning before the final round, when he was at home with his wife, he was really starting to like, he's starting to weigh on him. Can I do this? Am I ready for this? And she calmed him down and he was really, really fantastic all weekend long. He's just playing phenomenal golf. He finished at 10 under 278, 2.7 million from the $15 million prize fund. So now he's earned 8.87 million over his past six starts. And a huge moment for the 25-year-old, 25 years old. 
it may have, in a weird way, helped him that there was so much attention on Tiger. He just got to kind of fly under the radar for a winner, a young winner, I think the third youngest winner of the Masters ever. There wasn't as much hoopla because everyone was just really excited to see Tiger back and making it all the way through. Tiger was never in contention. You could tell he was physically sort of struggling and grimacing a little bit at the end. But just a fantastic weekend for Scotty Scheffler, who is the number one player in the world. And this looked like the first of, we'll see many uh, more Masters or big-time majors, fourth tournament win so far this year in just the last six that he's played Tiger was on the course for the first time in about 14 months after that car crash and Scott Scheffler wasn't a year old when Woods won his first time at the Masters that was a a quote from an ESPN article I was reading so for Tiger he'll never be playing a full schedule again after the after the Masters he said that it'll be the big events he will He's going to play the Open at St. Andrews in July. Not sure if he's going to play the PGA Championship at Southern Hills in May or the U.S. Open in June. He said, just be the big events. I don't know if it'll be Southern Hills or not, but I'm looking forward to St. Andrews, something that's near and dear to my heart. I've won two Opens there. It's the home of golf, my favorite golf course in the world, so I will be there for that one. Tiger always brings a little more intrigue. People are always curious to see one of the all-time greats, if not the greatest and most prolific golfer ever in Tiger Woods. Let's jump into our conversation with Dave Handelin, and we'll talk some NBA. But before we do, let's talk a little bit about full-service realtor Cindy Carava, one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast. Now, she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. And if you go to her website, cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com, you can find all of her listings there, some of her prior uh, houses that she and uh, some of the clients that she's worked with. There's reviews about her up on Yelp and Zillow. She can connect you with the right type of vendors if you just want home improvement. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. Even if you're not in the area that she specifies, she'll connect you with someone who knows that area well, someone that she trusts, and someone that's going to make your life a lot easier. Go to the website, cindycarava.com, full-service realtor. Maybe you just need help being connected with someone, uh, lenders, for uh, getting pre-approved for a loan. She'll put you in touch with the right kind of people that are going to make things so much easier for you. That's her job. She's going to make your life easier. She is one of the kindest and most genuine people I have ever met, cindycarava.com. That's the website. Right now, we get into the NBA playing games with Dave Handelin. We're going to talk a little bit about the format. We'll get into the two games for Tuesday. We'll talk about the two Wednesday games and what some of these teams may look like if they were to win and who they may match up with with the number one or number two seeds on the East and the West. It's all about the play-in with Dave Handelin. NBA! Who's hot? Who's not? Who's hot? Who's hot? It's time for the NBA playing games. And every year before we start the NBA season, we get our buddy Dave Handelin, the radio statistician for the Minnesota Timberwolves, to come on and talk some NBA with us. We usually go like three or four hours talking about every single team, diving into everything. And uh, Dave, I was telling you, this year, our show, that's like one of my top rated shows. It's done really, really well. People love listening in and uh, diving in. And I mean, we, 
we talked for hours and hours about every single team. So I think what's cool about when we do those season previews is that whoever you're a fan of, I think they probably check in for a few minutes, hear what we have to say. Some of the gamblers check in, fantasy players. So it was cool to see that we got a lot of love on that NBA show. Hey, sex sells. Uh, Right. (laughs) If you're a fan of Detroit Pistons, Miami Heat, New Orleans Pelicans, Dallas Mavericks, we had everybody covered in that. Yep. We didn't discriminate against anyone, right? We didn't just say, okay, let's talk about the most mainstream teams. We're going to dive into everyone. And uh, it's pretty crazy, too, right now. And I, I... it makes a lot of sense to have you back on because the Timberwolves are going to be playing this week, which is really cool. And I guess we can just sort of, they're playing on Tuesday, so we can sort of start talking with them and we'll talk about Cleveland and Brooklyn right after. So the T-Wolves are playing the Clippers and I'm kind of curious as a fan, you know, where you stand because at the beginning of the year, if we would have talked and said, Hey, Minnesota is going to be in the play in game, probably would have felt really good about it. Okay, cool. One chance. To, to get into and get a series. But where they sit right now, you got play the Clippers. Paul George comes back. You maybe have had a chance to get into the sixth spot and maybe get a series. So at least on my side, I think it's been an awesome year for, for your T-Wolves. But wow, I feel like the difference between winning one of these two games and getting a series and not would feel a little deflating. Am I wrong? Oh, no, you're totally, totally right on that with the aspect of it where Yes, the, the Timberwolves have not been a playoff team in most people's. If you're a 17 year old, you've seen the Timberwolves <laughs> yeah. make the playoffs once. <laughs> yeah. So, like, finally, like, hey, with a play, like, safely, right? They're safe. They're the seven seed. They're 18 games out of first, but they're also 10 games clear of New Orleans at the ninth seed. 11 so games over 500, like a good basketball team this year. And now it, it basically comes down to a game or two games, depending on how it is, where, yeah, New Orleans or, the Spurs could like the way the format is like they can sneak their way and get into the play into the playoffs, which is and, it's crazy. And like, I know from the wolves on the perspectives of us, we've been on the other side and man, I wish there was a way for a play in game. Well, now we're the seven seed and we have to deal the hand that's dealt us. And you know, it's funny though. I don't, I think it's kind of a good spot to be in because it sort of feels like everyone's just penciling the Clippers in with Paul George back, you know, it, he's been playing really well and people want the Clippers to have a little more time. Cause then maybe Kawhi could come back, which would be nuts if he would come and play a game in the playoffs after not having played the entire year. Uh, but I don't know if most people realize how good this Minnesota team is. You have a really good basketball team and I'm excited to see the growth of some of your stars in this type of situation. Like this is a different version of Carl Anthony towns this year. Ant is an absolute stud. That guy is a killer. And I don't know if most people around the country or that are just going to be tuning in, watching this game, realize how good this Minnesota team is. Tell us a little bit about your team this year and, and you know, and some of their strengths. Cause I think bringing in a guy like Patrick Beverly seemed like it really rubbed off on everyone and just set the tone. You were saying people don't believe, you know, who believes Gino Vegas believes. Vegas, Vegas believes. Several, You're a favorite. Three point favorite. I yep. saw. Exactly. There's a lot, lot of Minnesota people here, maybe a little bit down, thinking, oh, we, we dealt a bad hand with the Clippers and Paul George, and I'm seeing that kind of nationally. But then Vegas did have have the Wolves as a three-point favorite, so Vegas always knows. Um, but, no, yeah, exactly what you said here. Pat, Patrick Beverly came in, kind of his thing, kind of right from the beginning of training camp, was he was going to impact winning on the court, off the court, kind of everything he does. 
everything he does seems to have a method. Like he, the way that he energizes the crowd, the way he goes after referees, the way he goes after opposing players. Like I've, for Patrick Beverly's career, when he was not in the Timberwolves, I couldn't stand playing against mm-hmm. him. Couldn't stand watching him. I was like, oh, this guy drives me crazy. Now that he's us, he's <laughs> your guy. It's a completely different thing. And like, you're like, this is, you love having a guy like that on your team. You hate playing against him. You love having him. Well, that's, that's roll over to everybody else where cats playing with cats playing differently. The, the, mm-hmm. the entire year, especially the last probably two thirds of the year, he's flipped the switch and he's, I think he's pretty safe going to make it all NBA. One of the top three teams, probably not the first team, but and in this matchup, team, they don't have someone that can step out. What they can Zubots? Like who's guarding? You know, what I mean, like who's guarding him? They're bigs. They don't really have a big that's going to be capable to step out and guard Cat. If he's having any type of success from the three point line, they're gonna the Clippers are going to be in trouble just trying to match up with them. I the Clippers are going to struggle with that. What the Clippers are probably going to do is like, all right, let's try to get Cat into fall trouble, mm-hmm. and you Cat has a tendency to pick up offensive falls so maybe that's what they're gonna do and like all right cat play aggressive and we're gonna try to get you we're gonna get under your skin a little bit and try to get you get pick up some cheap falls like that so all of a sudden you find yourself in a scenario four minutes into the game and cat's got two falls and uh oh like this is getting a little bit of trouble so i expect the clippers to try to do that try to get at cat early and try to get him kind of out of his groove and into fall trouble so we'll see. Ant, I think Ant, he kind of was dealing with a little bit of a knee injury. And Down the stretch, yeah. They, they sat him for a bit, but then he bounced, like, in the last couple of weeks, he started to show maybe he's, he's got his bounce back a little bit. And he had the big game the other night where the 49-point game, career high. And, and he was, doesn't he feel like the type of guy that will fit perfectly in a playoff pressure setting? Like, he, some people you worry about if they're going to, like, curl up in, like, a ball – I just, I got a feeling he's going to go the opposite way. And if he gets, if you guys get in and get a series, like there's a 40 point game out there for him. Oh, for sure. There's that's out there with him feeding mm-hmm. off the crowd and feeding hundred percent motion of everything. Yep. Along with the spotlight, he's getting some steals to playing defense, locking down, getting a couple like that. I can just see it. You can just see it. Beverly going crazy nuts. There's a game or two where that happens. And then I mean, just sort of, I know you don't. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but we're talking, and so just sort of looking at the way the the, the land lays. If you're Minnesota, and like we said, you know what? It's basketball. You could lose two games and be out. You could lose one game, win one game, and you're the eighth seed. But if you do win this first game, and I know Memphis has been awesome this year, and they've been awesome without Jaw, but they're not the same as Phoenix as far as a proven scary team. That would be a really good young matchup for Minnesota to go in and play another team that hasn't really proven themselves or been that been there either. I think it's, it's a great spot if you can win one game. No, for, uh, yeah, for the Clippers and the Timberwolves, you're winning both teams, right? Either team. Because yeah, the difference of Memphis and taking your chances versus Memphis compared to what Phoenix is, it's night and day, like no disrespect to Memphis there, but and they might be awesome. The West jaws a little banged up and then everybody Yep, 100%. And so I just look at the and, – and sort of on the flip side too, right? If you were Memphis and the Clippers win, even even Minnesota, you go, dang, this isn't like the easiest thing in the world for a seven seed, right? No. We had a good year. We got a number two spot, and now we got to deal with this 
Minnesota team who's sort of young, really good, and and doesn't understand, you know, like that the moment's too big for them. We're dealing with the Clippers team and Paul George is back playing healthy. So yeah, this the winner of this seven eight game, I think has a legitimate shot against Memphis. And it's not because I don't like Memphis. It's just because we need to see Memphis prove it in a playoff scenario, right? Yeah. Memphis have had like some very fun games this year and a lot of history and a lot of trash talking between them. Like, right. Memphis was kind of the placeholder team that Pat Bev, when he was traded from the Clippers, yeah, he didn't go directly to Minnesota. He kind of ended up in Memphis for a little bit. And he had, he had like a, I think it was on the JJ Reddick podcast where he was, he was saying that they'd said, Oh, when you come in for summer camp and he's like, what? I'm not coming in for summer camp. Like, <laughs> so there, and then after like the games, there's been a lot of Pat, Pat Bev has very let it known when the wolves have won that he's in Memphis's face. Like, yeah, the wolves beat Memphis by like 45 earlier in the year or 43 earlier in the year. And they've, they've had very entertaining games. So, yeah, so you, you get into battle in Memphis and see what happens. That'll be that'll be a fun situation for either the Timberwolves or the Clippers compared to, all right, you get to go Phoenix. Here's Aiton, CP3, Booker, and Bridges. Go have fun with that. And it was so weird last year when in the middle of the season, the Timberwolves brought in a new head coach. It's just something that you so rarely see. We were talking about it like, it's so weird. Usually you have some of the interim take over for the rest of the year. And then you do your coaching search after and you bring someone in, but they, they sort of, they got ahead of the game, right? The way that the T wolves were able to end last year gave them this momentum, this feel. It was sort of like, you know, you see it a lot of times in other sports. It reminds me of in in the NFL every year, there's like one or two of those bad teams at the end of the year that are kind of fun to bet for the last three or four weeks. Cause you could tell that they're still sort of, they got a little purpose to play for. They're sort of playing for jobs. They're playing for next year. Kind of felt like that with Minnesota. And then this year already, he sort of knew the personnel. You guys were ahead of schedule. Tell us how you felt about the, what the coaching staff has done this year. And as we're recording this on Monday, like this morning, it was announced that Chris Finch got an extension. Awesome. And the assistant coaches got extensions. So that's, that shows like it rewards them for the job well done. But yeah, going back into last year, the Wolves kind of, they could have went the easy way. And what NBA teams do, they tank and try to get the best draft pick. Along with like that, with the trade that the, the Wiggins for D'Angelo Russell, the Wolves also had the, the risk of if they fell out of like the top four, that pick would go to Golden State, which Golden State then used to pick up Kaminga. So the Wolves had a lot of risk, but they decided, you know what, we've lost long enough. Let's play this out, Get try to build some winning tendencies, and it goes into next year. And sure enough, that was what happened. The guys, rather than throwing away the last third of the year, they played hard, figured out how to, how to win under Finch's system, and had a little bit of hope coming into this season. And it's parlayed into 46 wins in a, a hell of a year for a team that has not been good in the past. I, I'm rooting for you, man. Come on, Minnesota. Yep. One win, on. get on in. And even like we're saying, just I feel the same about Minnesota and the team that we're going to talk about next, Cleveland. They play the early game on third on Tuesday night, Cleveland against Brooklyn. Just getting a series 
even if it is you lose here and then you play Phoenix and maybe you lose four to one or you get beat up in a series there, but just getting a series feels like such a big step forward. You have some of your growing pains and if you get a little bit ahead of schedule, I think it would be such a big deal for you, your team and for a team like the Cavs to get those extra four or five games with the intensity, feel what it's like. What do you have to take to win at that level? Yep. That's and getting the crowd, like the crowd getting to, a home game, that. right? A home See, playoff game or two. NBA playoff basketball is, and I was, I was kind of like, deload kind of cr- called out the crowd here about two months ago, saying like, "Come on, we need." And like, they've been awesome. Since. Good. We need you to get on our side. And from that point, the crowd, I don't know, it was a different, different sense in the air. Where it's like a different energy, standing and cheering yeah. and loud, and it, it, games became real again. So I'm looking like Tuesday night, like selfishly on this, like because the games are only on TNT and not locally broadcasted, Alan, the Wolves radio announcer and I, we get to go, we get to sit courtside on the game. We get, oh, to, be that's the, cool. we get to be at the head table right next to the Wolves bench. Awesome. So I'm looking forward to hearing Pat Bev talk all of the smack. Oh, the that's world. great. I can't wait to pick your brain after that. And, uh, and, and here's, and uh, here's some of the things that you saw and you heard the sights and the sounds. Okay. So let's, even if it's just for a few minutes, Yep. If you guys get in, I got to get you back on Friday for a, a little preview of what's going to happen in the series, who they're playing. Nope, that works. I can do so that. So even if leave, even if it's just like 10 minutes and we talk about that series, because I want to definitely feel your energy and get a little preview on whoever they match up with. So we'll uh, we'll for sure knock on wood and hope we can get a T-Wolves series so we can talk with Dave again later this week. But this Cleveland-Brooklyn game in the East, this is a fun one too. And as much as people are kind of right in Brooklyn. And also we've seen crazy things happen in basketball Two, It's two games. They're playing a good Cleveland team and Mobley's back. Brooklyn, I think is installed as like an eight point favorite to me. The real key in this game is Jared Allen who broke his finger a while back and they're going to try to get him to play because Brooklyn does not have very much size. Their defense is not very good. If you can have a couple big bodies out there, even if it's Allen, you know, he's not going to be dribbling the ball. He's not going to be shooting a whole lot. If he can put a splint in and throw his arms up here and there and have a body, they have a shot in one game. Anything can happen. Garland can go out there and be one of the better players on the court. But it it does feel a little bit disappointing for a Cleveland team who had a really good year. And I think the only reason why they're even in this spot is because all the injuries they dealt with. Yeah, it's this Cleveland, like, right, uh, like the first, through the all-star break when they're top four seed and it's the feel good story. And now they're like facing the scenario where they, they started sliding and now like they could find themselves on the outside looking in. I hope that's not the case. Me neither. They could very easily just have like a 35 point 40 point game from Durant. And then the same thing from Trey young. And then you're done. Yep. And it's like, Oh, oh like, I know. You, just, you feel, feel like awful for them, a but bad taste in your mouth. If that happened, you know, cause it, they were, like you said, just a couple months ago, they were right in the conversation for the one seed. And then at the beginning of the year, it was Sexton. And then Rubio, who was playing really well for them. Your old T-Wolves were their mm-hmm. bench. It was Rubio and Love. That was like their awesome bench that would come in for them and like and light it up. And, and, then, and then it was uh, Mobley got hurt for a little while. And Allen, like all of their real key, key players have gotten hurt through different parts of the year. And so it's, they probably would have been a four or five seed had they not dealt with all those injuries and now they're in a situation where it's like, uh Oh, 
Like, and I look at their squad and I always wonder when they match up with teams with really good wings, like who's going to guard Durant for them. Yeah. You're going to, who do you uh, throw at him? Probably get that or curl like there. Yeah. And he's like a curls little gives up so much size. If you try to put someone like Mobley there for Durant's too quick for him, you know, he won't be able to shoot over him, but he can kind of go by him. And so it's like matchup wise. It is. If Cleveland had their bigs healthy, I would think it might be like this would be a fun series because you'd have a team trying to go bigger and a team trying to go smaller, and they would try to sort of counterpunch each other over and over. I just like if Kyrie and Kevin Durant both have a good game, they're going to be in some serious trouble. Most yeah, teams would be. They're going to be in trouble. It's I, and I, I was trying to do some research on the Allen, and it it just really seems like Cleveland's keeping really quiet about it on if it's going to happen. So, like, when he's been out for as long as he has to come in and step into this scenario of... And hey, expect you're, you're something playing. from him, right? Yeah, you just, just don't know what, no. or if maybe they're saving him for the Friday game instead, depending yeah. on how this one, how this yeah. shakes out. That's a good point, because they at least know that they've got an extra few days to where, hey... And if they were playing it like this, what's our better chance, right? In yeah. a one-game situation, maybe we take a shot without him. If he's not, if we if we lose that game, then we have no other choice, right? We can play him on Friday because there's no there's no tomorrow. But I I agree with you. I think it might be a let's let's take a swing without him the first time. And if that's the case, then you know a lot of pressure is going to be on Mobley. Um, you know, you're basically going to be in a situation where you've got like Mobley and Garland versus Durant and you know Durant and Kyrie. And I feel like the Brooklyn, you know, with what they've been getting from maybe Seth Curry and spots, they, the thing about Brooklyn is they get deeper. I mean, they're good, but they're small, Dave. If they run into a team with some bigger guards and just mm-hmm. some more size, because they'll, they'll throw out combinations of like Kyrie, Seth Curry, Mills, like small guards. That's, that's where you might be able to get them down the line. And uh, I mean, who the hell knows what's going on with Ben Simmons? Now we're hearing maybe he plays too. How can these guys play in games if they haven't played a whole one game the whole year? I've never heard of anything like this before. It's it's wild. It's, it's, I, I don't like like there's a chance, right? That Kawhi has the same. Come on, no like, way. The videos like surface of him, and it's like, well, look at Kawhi, no knee brace, he's out there. But what's that mean? And then like when Simmons was maybe ramping up to come back with Philly, and like the video of like right he was practicing and his cell phone was in his pocket but he hasn't practiced with brooklyn since the trade and it's like i don't i don't know if you just throw these guys right into these playoff scenarios like especially in this in a one game instance like you're not going to throw simmons into this simmons is maybe maybe in the first in the first round they bring him in but you can't throw him into a game like this i just it's it's there's no No way way. no way i just can't see it. I would love, Mike, love Tuesday night just for for both of these teams. They do feel almost like mirror images to me. Teams that were maybe a little bit ahead of schedule this year in Minnesota and in Cleveland. Teams that could really, really benefit a lot from getting a series and you know playing game, night in, night out against some of the best players at high levels. Like you said, getting a home playoff game, feeling what that would be like. I think that would be awesome for Cleveland. 
That would be awesome for Minnesota. They're in a little bit different spots because Minnesota's hosting the game. And like you said, they're a three-point favorite. So it, they, like as much as people want to talk, Vegas isn't going to stick a line out there that's off, right? They're not going to yeah. put a line up because the Sharps will jump right in and go the other way. So that's solidly in the – it actually has kind of moved a little bit too. It was like two and a half-ish. Now I think it's kind of settling around three, Minnesota. And on the other side, you get Brooklyn. They're about an eight, eight-and-a-half-point favorite or so against Cleveland. And – and maybe they have a game time surprise with Jared Allen there and they can, uh, they can go big. But again, for both of these two teams, they won't feel quite as good about it if they lose two games and they're out, but it's been a really good year for Minnesota and it's been a really good year for Cleveland. Yeah. And like worst, like right. Worst case Cleveland loses and they get the home game Friday night and the Cleveland arena is going to be going crazy for that. So rocking when that's your worst case scenario, like that's, it's not a bad place. And and compared to like the West, I don't know. I don't see a whole lot of difference between Miami and Boston for what the seven and eight seed does. Very much agree. Like very it, much it's agree. not like, Oh, you have like, you need to be the seven, like really whatever. A Boston, happens, Brooklyn, like if Brooklyn wins, Boston, Brooklyn would be pretty fun. Yes. That would be really fun with just the history that they've had for a while, the trades that those teams have made, the Kyrie factor. And you throw like Boston. I, just, I'm a Lakers fan, so I obviously don't like Boston, mm-hmm. but I actually was watching Boston for the last couple months thinking, wow, this team like might be able to win the title. Their defense was playing so well. Now they don't have Robert Williams for a little while. We'll see, but Ooh, a Boston, a Boston Brooklyn series would be a lot of fun. That'd be very, very intriguing in the uh, the two seven matchup. Let's head to Wednesday, Dave. We'll talk about those other two play in games that are on Wednesday. So, what they've done is on Tuesday night they've got both of the seven versus eight matchups. So, the winners of those Tuesday night games they've locked themselves in. The losers of those Tuesday night games they will fall out of those games. They'll drop to play Friday, and they will play the winner of the games that we're going to talk about now on Friday. So that first game is actually between the nine and the 10 seed in the East. And that is the Charlotte Hornets and the Atlanta Hawks. Now, the one thing you were sort of getting at uh, a little too, uh, Dave, and I, I agree with you. What was, what's weird about the playing setup this year in particular is, you know, on the East side, you actually have teams like Atlanta and Charlotte who had pretty good records, even at the nine to 10 spot, they're both over 500. They were 43 and 39. You kind of flip it to the West and you've got teams that are 10 and 12 games under 500 playing to get in. And I don't know if that was the necessarily the spirit of the play in when it was created. I think it was to kind of see if there are a bunch of teams within a few games to give them a shot. It doesn't really feel, and I'm saying this as a Laker fan, if the Lakers would have gotten a shot to play in, that would have been, unbelievably unfair because they had such a bad year. At least when we look at these two teams, Charlotte and Atlanta, they were right on the outside of, of Brooklyn and Cleveland. So it makes sense that they would be getting another shot. Yeah. The, the whole East, like the, or these, the top 10 teams in the East separated by 10 games is that's, that's almost the gap that Phoenix had over Memphis. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're right. And actually that's large. That's a closer gap from one to 10 to there. Then Phoenix had the Golden State, who's yes. <laughs> yep, yep, and that's how that like that's how tight these teams are. So it's like, and that's where you should have a play in. Yep, that makes sense. Totally you know? worthy of a play in games, or yeah, where the teams seven, eight, nine, and ten are separated by one game, which and is crazy. I think for Charlotte, it's just sort of a bummer too because they're the team over the last couple of years that we've seen, and 
we said this same exact thing. If you look back at our preview a few months ago, if they have Hayward healthy, they're pretty good and they're capable of winning, you know, games against good teams. If Hayward's not healthy, they're just sort of average and they're just a team. And and that's what we've seen again this year when he plays and he has good stretches. They're a really good basketball team when he doesn't, they're very beatable and they're just sort of average. And I don't know what, if we're going to get anything out of him, because it's just been another one of those struggle years for Hayward, who he's played 49 games total this year. And what we haven't seen him since like, I think he, he popped in and played a game on April the 2nd, you know, three or four games ago, he played 16 minutes. He hadn't played since that. Since the beginning of February, he played like three games at the beginning of February. He didn't play for a week prior to that. So I'm same type of thing. I think we're talking with Alan. It's like, if he does play, what are you going to get from a guy who hasn't done much in the last few weeks? And it's a bummer because this is a young team with some fun pieces. Lamelo's good. They've got a few, um, they've got a few real NBA talents, but they sort of need a leader. They need a Hayward sort of steadying presence. And so like last year, right? Charlotte was in the play-in game last year. In the same scenario, they were the 10 seed playing at Indiana, the 9 seed. And they got worked. They lost by 27. They were down 30 after three quarters. Hayward was also out for that game. So now here's their chance again. And once again, Hayward's out. They're on the road. And I, I don't know. I, I They're going to be in a tough spot here. Atlanta, like Atlanta... I think has won seven of their last nine games and and they're better than this right they were a four seed last year that won a playoff series that should have won a couple what won a couple playoff series that could have gone all the way to the finals they and they had a they kind of scuffled for a little while throughout the year but they've been playing really well late and like we said it's not as if they're you look down and you go oh Atlanta's the, the nine or the ten seed why aren't they better I mean they're three or four games back of what would have been the fourth and fifth seed. It's not like they're way behind in an under 500 team. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not like this is a, like they're a legit team. It's just where the standings fell. That's where, that's where they're at. And they're still a good team. They won more than half their games. Like you're going to get Trey young and who led the NBA in points and, and total points along with assists. Like it's a, that's a tough matchup. And we'll, we'll see. Like we talk about, we talked earlier about how Ant, you think he's going to step up in the playoffs and like the scenarios aren't going to like phase him. I think Lamelo is going to be kind of the same way. I know last year he wasn't as great, but that was kind of his test run. Mm-hmm. And so we'll get to see what he is on the bigger stage. Him, him versus Trey. That'll be fun. In the scenario. I, I think Atlanta's. I think Atlanta hand is going to handle him because we saw what Atlanta did last year when the when the stakes got turned up. Atlanta flipped into a different gear. And so I, I think they can do that again I is where, I, where I'm going with it. But. Because they're the type of team where, heck, if they were to win two games, I I know everyone's talking about not wanting to play Brooklyn. I wouldn't want to play Atlanta either. If I were, you know, Miami or Rick towards the top up there, I that's and that's who it would be. I really wouldn't want this team to win a couple games. Like you said, they're and you, you think about Miami. There could be a lot of nights where Trey Young is the best player on the court there. You know, a Lowry's good, a Butler's good, but Trey Young has the ability to really carry a team. And he can, he, and not only that, he can make things happen. And 
even when he's not scoring quite as much, right? He gets into the lane. He makes others better. He gets guys wide open shots, wide open looks. He's a really good passer. So the NBA, the Eastern Conference playoffs should be pretty fun. I don't know if they're going to be quite as top heavy as everybody thinks. Like it feels like all the top three or four teams are good, but all but all have some flaws towards the bottom of the uh, East. Like these two teams are both pretty good. Yeah, I think I think both sides. I think you're going to see potential. It's it's not going to be the classic NBA. You make it to the semifinals and it's one versus four or two versus three. I think both have a chance for upsets along the way. Absolutely, maybe more so in the West, other than maybe Phoenix, but in the East, it definitely like yeah, Brooklyn's not your. If Brooklyn beats Cleveland, they're not your traditional seven seed. No, and so that's not would be no shock seeing them beat the two spot there. You know and. Like we said, this is a this is a team who could be an eight seed if Atlanta wins a few games. They won playoff series last year. They're proven. They've got experience. They're a four, about four and a half point favorite or so against Charlotte in that game on Wednesday night. And the final play-in game, Dave, is going to be between teams that are 10 and 14 games under 500. And, and the Lakers didn't make it, it's even with <laughs> these teams being 14 games under 500. I will say... Uh, I feel I we we found out late last night, early this morning, as uh, we're recording this on Monday, that Frank Vogel did just get fired and uh, and released from the Lakers. It looks like Gentry from the Kings is also going to be out too. I feel bad for Frank, um, mainly because you know they got hurt the last couple of years. He won a title three years ago. The league was supposed to start after the Lakers won in the bubble. I think the the league said we're going to start at the end of January. And then they had a meeting and realized that if they don't start in the middle of December, they're going to lose a lot of money. So they had a quick turnaround. I don't think the Lakers were in very good shape or prepared for the quick turnaround. They ended up getting hurt. And Frank did a great job last year with that team, just like getting them into the play-in without LeBron and AD for most of it. You and I talked as soon as they made the rust trade. I don't think either one of us thought that they would be this bad. But we said right then, they're not going to be very good. That wasn't a Frank Vogel thing. So someone's got to go, right? You know, someone always has to be the person to to be the scapegoat. But I feel bad. He could have done a little bit better with the guys he had this year, but he sort of got dealt a bad hand the last two. And then he finally unleashes Austin Reeves. Last night. (laughs) He finally unleashes them. And I'm sure sure you didn't, you weren't watching the, but I was watching a lot of the stuff. I had it on in the background before. So um, Austin Reeves went up at the beginning with, uh, like, you know, the scorer's table before the game with Malik Monk. And I think it was, uh, Wenyun Gabriel and he, they all did the LeBron with the powder. <laughs> they all did like a mimic thing. It was actually pretty funny. And he was, Austin Reeves was looking over at LeBron and pointing at him, you know, and he was kind of puffing his chest out. It was really funny. And then he went out there and the, the first three times he had the ball, he made it, you know, he would drive the lane and kick it up. And it was, he had this like, and he was just smiling and laughing and they were pointing at him and he had 30, he had a triple double with 30 points last night. Like 16 rebounds or something like that. Right? It was Those are, hitting shots from all over the place. Yeah, the was... only two bright spots this year, for the Lakers, and this will be a podcast for a different day talking about offseason stuff, were Monk and Reeves. Those are, those are the only, if you think about what was positive for the Lakers this year, those are the only two things you think of. Both those guys did their best. They played their hardest, and I hope that, that we have a, they could be, like Austin Reeves could be your seventh or eighth man, absolutely, on a good team. 
And Malik Monk could be like a sixth or seventh man, absolutely on a good team, or you know, be a starter next to guys like LeBron and AD, get a lot of open shots. So at least they found a few guys maybe that can have roles moving forward. But this isn't about the Lakers. This is about the Spurs and the yeah. Pelicans. And, uh, you know, even though they were 34 and 48, and it's not like they were a great team this year, the fact that they were able to outfinish a team like the Lakers and get into the play-in, just, just as another feather in the cap for Pop, this team has nobody on their roster, honestly. I mean, they have some players that are good and that will overachieve. DeJounte Murray is good, and you dig into their roster and you go, oh, okay, that's a nice piece. Potal's a nice piece. But if you just compared this roster to the other teams in the NBA, which we did at the beginning of the year, they have one of the least proven rosters, no stars, yet they still somehow find a way to overachieve. It's pop. <laughs> pop, baby, right? Like, it's, like, even, like, the it's talent. Pop. Like, know. when you look at the talent on paper between New Orleans and them, and it seems like it's a, it's a discrepancy. But, yep, they're similar record-wise. And it'll be interesting to see what pop, what he has up. Because he's he's been resting guys. Like, DeJounte Murray's been out. Yeah. You know, there's, there, there's some rest involved there. And the Wolves have seen him a couple times here and probably had a little bit too much fun with San Antonio at their expense. So excited to see what it is. And like, I don't know with this New Orleans team is like, they're I, I've seen also the rumors like, Hey, is Zion going to come back? And it, uh, Zion won't be back. for come on. That, no That's chance. another weird one, right? They, they That's been weird all year. They, they were saying like, he's going to be, as soon as the season started, said Zion's going to be back in three weeks, like two to three weeks at the beginning of the year. And we kept, it's like, what? It, that's a team that's been very weird the last few years with when Griffin went over there, JJ Reddick said some stuff, the way that they've kind of Zion hasn't really been out in the public very much. You don't really hear him talking at all. Then he shows up on a, like you said, there's videos of him playing. They asked him not to release those videos. Then he releases <laughs> another video. <laughs> it's, it's some weird stuff going on with the franchise guy that I just can't get back on the court. It, it is pretty Zion impressive. shut down for the year, right? I know. Here's Zion going between his legs, dunking in the gym. It's like, like, what? <laughs> what? This doesn't, it doesn't feel good if that's your franchise player, right? If that were your aunt in Minnesota, compare, think about how you would feel like that. I mean, I, I'm like, what is going on? Where is this guy? I thought he was back. I thought he was in shape. What, ha- like, why isn't he played at all? It doesn't make any sense, but they're still here. I will give them a ton of credit because they went out and made a trade. They brought in CJ McCollum. That's the type of player who can help you win a playoff game or two. And I mean, I wouldn't be their, their favor. They're a five point favor to beat the Spurs. If they were to beat the Spurs, they could absolutely beat the Clippers or the T wolves in a one game situation. I don't know if getting into a playoff series, they would be able to make as much noise as either of those other two teams. I think that, the Minnesota or the Clippers, if they got in, they could actually beat teams that they played. I don't know if the Pelicans could, but they have some fun pieces there. Herb Jones is actually really ahead of schedule. He can guard anyone. And when you have someone like McCollum and Ingram, like those are guys that are very capable in one game situations of, you know, scoring you 25 or 30 points. Uh, Big V is a nice, is a nice piece for them. We've seen him have really good playoff games before and step up in big moments. So, I mean, they're they're not a bad nine seeded team. They don't have a great record, or you know, because a lot of their season they've been banged up. But 
they've got enough pieces to be feisty for a couple games. This you know, it seems a lot more dangerous in a one game scenario than they are in a series. Hundred percent. You you could wear them down and start to pick on their on their weaknesses in a series, right? Because it inevitably they just aren't going to have enough. But in one game, they could be tough. Like I. I know from our perspective, looking out like from like Timberwolves, it's like all right. If the depending on how the Clippers game goes, if the Wolves lose to the Clippers and end up facing New Orleans, like they all knew wishes gives Cat problems down low because he's just so big and so physical, and like that seems like a potential game where there's some fall troubles. And Brandon Ingram is smooth, and Herb Jones, yeah, like you said, like. He was kind of an unheralded rookie, and then he just kind of kept picking up momentum as the season went along. And now he's, they trust him on offense a little bit more. And then CJ, like, like when that trade, yeah, you kind of said when that trade went on, it wasn't like people kind of laughed at the trade of like, what, what's like, going what is, on? Really, what this is weird. Doing, I know, well, yeah, it, it worked for New Orleans. Like they weren't going anywhere as it was. So CJ has given them like the scoring from the outside that they needed. I think Josh Hart went up to Portland and scored like 50 in one game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had a couple monster games when he went up there because there was just nobody for Portland. And Josh Hart was getting triple doubles and just like filling up the stat sheet. It was pretty funny to see my old uh, Laker guy up there. And just and to Jose sh- Alvarado, nobody wants to face him. I know. I know. And give, give a shout out as we're talking about the Pelicans. And we're about to finish up here with Dave uh, Dave Handelin. When they, tr- when they made that trade, they had done it. Like the trade happened as the guys were getting ready to play a game. So like Josh Hart was in the locker room getting suited up and getting ready. And they said, oh, you're traded to Portland. So he wasn't able to leave. It was, he was still at the arena and it was, he wasn't going to be able to get to Portland until the next day. So Josh Hart went out and watched the game sitting in the stands. Mm-hmm. And he wore a Brandon Ingram jersey and was like cheering for him. It was so cool. And after the game, they said, oh, Josh, you know, you got traded. And he even talked and he's like, yeah, that's my boy. We came in, you know, I've been with Brandon for a while. I want to root him. Go Pelicans. I hope they have a great rest of the year. It was like, oh, I wanted to cry. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh. It like hurt my heart, especially because uh, my heart, you know, for Josh Hart, someone who's watched him for a while. But they, uh, they got a good group of some young guys over there. I just don't think they have enough, Dave, to like win a series, like we said. Yeah, that's, that's where it probably likely ends for them, especially like, at least with Minnesota and the Clippers, you you've got the chance of facing the seven seed. Mm-hmm. You're you're going to get the seven seed. You get two games Whereas to win these one. These teams that are in the play in the nine and ten from both sides, you're stepping in and being the Phoenix. At best, you get to face the the one seed, which you're in trouble. Like you said, on the yeah. East, maybe it's not as big of a difference between Miami and the teams below them, right? Maybe Milwaukee is the real one in the East. You know, mm-hmm. I don't. You know, if I were if I were kind of stacking them, but on the West, it it feels like Phoenix has been so much the best team all year long. And every time it felt like, Oh, okay, well, Booker's going to be hurt for a little bit. They're going to struggle. Nope. Chris Paul is going to be hurt for a little while. They're going to struggle. Nope. They have just continued to win. They've got a great system there and they feel just so much head and shoulders above everyone else. And I just, I wouldn't want to, yeah, like a, a Pelicans matchup against them wouldn't be ideal at least at least a team like Minnesota or clip the Clippers would you'd feel have like a puncher's chance in a couple games but um I think the uh the buck stops pretty soon for the Pelicans but they hey they had some fun uh telling Anthony Davis the other day that's all folks when they eliminate when, when they basically eliminated the Lakers in that game <laughs> uh, 
So they were, they were having some fun sticking it back to AD, which is great. Like, you know, you have some fun with it because you're still playing and he's not right now. I think it'll be a, hopefully a positive for the Lakers that didn't get in, go get some rest, get, get motivated now. Cause I think they came into this year, Dave, sort of, they were doing what us fans were doing. The Lakers, um, they kept saying, well, man, last year we were up two to one on Phoenix and then AD got hurt. I mean, we were right there. We would have been right there. And so they came into this year kind of acting entitled. Mm-hmm. Even after they brought in Westbrook, they thought, oh, this group of guys, they didn't put in any of the, any of the work. And they always thought that they were going to be able to flip the switch. And you can't do that. You got to, you can't disrespect basketball like, like that. The basketball gods don't like that. They won't let that go down. They want you to put in the work. That's what we're seeing with your Timberwolves team this year. You're putting in the work day in, day out. It's a step forward. It's not this team that just, thinks they can turn it on and off whenever they want. That doesn't, yep. doesn't fly in basketball. Game, right? A hundred percent. Respect it. Respect your opponents. Respect the game. And it, like, you know, there, there are little things happen along the way, but yeah, don't, don't just assume like everybody's like, and I think it's Charles Barkley who says it like everybody's a professional in the NBA. There are different levels, but they're still good enough to be professional. Mm-hmm. So even like the guys on the lower end, they're busting their tails. And yeah, like you get complacent when you think you're better than them, then you get bit. Especially when you're a team like the Lakers, when you walk in there and everybody wants to punch you in the mouth. It's Mm -hmm. like, that's the game that everybody circles. They're like, oh, LeBron them and everybody's got them projected as a top team. Oh, let's get up for this game. And so you, you know, you're going to get that from everyone. And if you're not ready for it, that's I'm as a fan, I'm glad this team, of course, would I want to see my team play more games? Yes. But I'm glad this group didn't get in because they don't deserve it. They didn't deserve it. And they didn't, it, it would have been awful. The worst thing that could have happened for the NBA would have been if the Lakers and the Nets both got in the play in, won their play in games, and went on and had like long runs in the playoffs. Because it would yep. have been like, they don't they deserve that. The regular season, it doesn't matter. It would have started to set a bad precedent moving yeah. forward for teams that might have, you know, copycat and stuff like that. So let's get the T Wolves a victory. They earned it. Let's get them into the playoffs. Let's get some. Uh, let's get the Cavs in at least in one of their two games. I'd love to see them make it through. They've had a good year, and uh, when that's the case, on Friday we'll have you back on and we'll preview uh, Minnesota. Hopefully, playing against the uh, the two seeded Memphis. And if not, it'll be you know Minnesota. They'll uh, they'll try to get the job done and then see if they can get a series against the Phoenix Suns. Dave, man, thank you so much. It's always so fun checking in with you. I, I called you uh, last minute over the last few days and asked because. Once I realized, it's like, oh, yeah, we got to talk about Minnesota. They're in the play-in game. So we have to have the man, Dave, helping us out. I know that's going to be a raucous crowd. The energy is going to be awesome. Please take a video or two and post to social media so we can see the house coming down. Nope, I will definitely do that. Should be should be a fun time. It's What do we got? It's, yeah, we got like 35 hours away or something yep. like that. And yep, awesome, awesome. Well, I look, we'll see everyone. I'll be watching, and we look forward to seeing what happens tomorrow with the uh, the T-Wolves there, as they will be the uh, the second game tomorrow night on Tuesday, and we'll find out more about the NBA as the playoffs actually begin on Saturday with playoff series. Dave, buddy, you have a great what, – what a great last few weeks it's been in sports, right? From oh. – we rolled straight from March Madness to WrestleMania to the Masters to the NBA season finishing up to hockey finishing up to baseball starting – 
all, all at the same time, like all within. How about all the Kentucky Derby preps, right? Derby coming. I was going to say, yeah. don't, don't, <laughs> don't forget the Derby. Don't forget all the Kentucky Derby preps along the way. We just had three more of them on uh, on Saturday. So it's usually this point of the year and then October when you've got football, college football, you've got basketball starting and college basketball starting, you've got baseball finishing up. It's the, those are the two points of the year. And then you're coming right up on the breeders cup that were that I am always like, just inject all of this into my veins, please yep. <laughs> you know, give it all to me. Give it all <laughs> Dave Handelin, man. Uh, thanks for being such a good friend over the last few years. love talking NBA with you and good luck to those T wolves. All right. Well, thank you very much. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you. Make sure to give Dave a follow on Twitter. Does a great job on social media. A lot of fun on there at Super Stats Dave. And we'll uh, hear from Dave and we'll see some stuff from him tomorrow talking T-Wolves. Listen in as Gino and friends give you all the specifics on who to bet and how to make some money. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years. Studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com you want to spread your pony knowledge by
Download the Stable Duel app and play today. The big money Stable Duel games roll on. Remember, every week, Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, we have our Stable Duel live stream. It's called This Weekend in Stable Duel. It's myself, Barry Spears, the sniper, Matt DeSantis. Last week, we had special guest Mike Rennie join in for a little smoke smoke and to dish out a few of his uh, best plays. And we go over Friday and Saturday contest for Stable Duel, and even if you're not someone who's played a whole lot of Stable Duel, we give out long shots. That's all we give out. Our horses 5-1 to one or over. Lots of times 10, 15, 20-1 to one shots. That's what we're looking for. So, if you ever want to come hang out on Friday morning with us, you can flip it on in the background. We each give out, you know, two or three plays for multiple tracks for Friday and for Saturday. So, we'll, let, we'll each give out a few. It's totally free to listen. We'll talk about which contests are happening every weekend for Stable Duel. And uh, you'll get some free plays from us. This week on Tuesday, you've got Parks with a $10 game. You've got a, a $100 double up there. You've got Mahoning Valley with a couple different games. A $2 and a $25 game. Keeneland on Wednesday, there's a $5 game with a, a $750 prize pool. And then there's a $30 game for 3000 there at Keeneland on Thursday. You get the throwdown with Turk at Keeneland. $25, $3,000 prize pool. You've got Keeneland, Gulfstream, and Laurel Park for your Thursday contest. How about Friday? We head over to Keeneland. There's a big $40 game. That's $4,000 in prizes. There's a $10 feeder to uh, the Saturday game. It's a $1,000 prize pool, and the top three finishers get an entry into the Saturday bigger game. There's a $2 winner-take-all. There's a free ride at Keeneland. There's a Gulfstream Park $200 game. Laurel and Santa Anita both have contests on Friday. How about Saturday? Keeneland has a $60 game. They also have a $10 game if you only have a few bucks left in your account. You've got Laurel with a high stakes game, a $75, $3,500 prize pool. Laurel has a smaller game. You've got Woodbine and Hawthorne both jumping into the party there on Saturday. Sunday closes out Woodbine, Gulfstream, Santa Anita, Golden Gate, and Hawthorne. Another big week. Every day you can get action. You can play in these high stakes, big money games with Stable Duel. Get your entries in and play, race, win. So we just had three major Kentucky Derby preps this past weekend. We had the Santa Anita Derby won by Taiba. We went down to Keeneland for the Bluegrass, which is won by Zandon. And then we also saw Mo Donegal over on the East Coast in the Wood Memorial get things done at Aqueduct. And what we know right now Forbidden Kingdom won't be running in the Kentucky Derby. He's out with an injury. Classic Causeway won't be running. Emmanuel won't be running. Papa Cap, Golden Glider, AP Secret, and Armaniac not going to be running in the Kentucky Derby. So now this is what the points list looks like. Remember, you have to finish in the top 20 as far as points are concerned in order to get in. Right now, number 20 is Tawny Port, who was second in the Jeff Ruby, has a couple wins on the synthetic. Number 21 is Happy Jack, who was just third in the Santa Anita Derby. Wasn't really close there. On the outside looking in, you know, you have Pioneer of Medina, who's number 22. He was fourth in the Risen Star and third in the Louisiana Derby. Rattle and Roll is 25th. There really aren't many, I guess you have in due time, who 
is number 29, but there aren't too many horses that are on the outside looking in. Call Me Midnight, Major General, uh, is reportedly pointed towards the Lexington. And for the most part, all of the major players seem to have made it in the Derby field. So let's start from the top down and go through, just as as points are concerned. Each week now, between now and the Derby, the next few weeks, we'll check in, we'll take a look at the list, we'll see everybody's plans, we'll talk about all of the the rider assignments for sure. I think Andrew Champagne's going to join me next week, and so we'll dive into, okay, what what does this team look like? Who's the jockey for this horse? Where did they come from? Where are they posted? What's their training regiment look like? We'll have all that next week. Here's like a run-through of everyone. So Epicenter's number one in points. He was your Risen Star and Louisiana Derby winner. What well, was nice that we saw he can sit off the pace a little bit. And it looks like Joel is going to be aboard him, Rosario. So he's going to be forwardly placed. He's got speed, but he can also sit a bit. Zandon who was third in the Risen Star, couldn't run down Epicenter that day, came back and won the Bluegrass and was really impressive. Zandon did have trouble in the Risen Star, and he's perfectly peaking for the Derby. He's going to be going third start off the bench in the Derby. It should be a, a great opportunity for him to take another step forward. He might go favored. It's going to be between those top two, I'd say, for your uh, your Derby favorite. Number three is White Barrio, who's the Holy Bull Florida Derby winner. All four of his wins, though, have come at Gulfstream Park, so that's one thing that you could be slightly concerned about with him. Well, that doesn't mean he can't perform well outside of there, but that does just mean that most of his success has been at one racetrack. He's number three on the points list. Number four, I liked Mo Donegal a lot this weekend. This, that was a good effort. To me. He's one of my top tier right now. Your Remsen winner, your Wood Memorial winner. He's going to be making his third start of the year, his second back-to-back. He's got some upside there. Distance should be no problem for him. He can sit a little bit more and close where I think a lot of these top contenders are going to be more forwardly placed. He's number four on the list with 112 total points right now. Tis the Bomb is number five. He won the Jeff Ruby and the John Battaglia. The question for him is dirt. We didn't see him perform very well in Florida <clears throat> earlier in the year when he uh, was on the dirt. So his best races have been synthetic. He's a turf horse, but he does have plenty of points to get in the starting gate if he wants. He's number five on the list. Cyberknife, your Arkansas Derby winner. He's currently number six. He's got 100 points himself. He took a big step forward there. Does he have another step forward for kind of a now horse in this field? You've got Crown Pride, number seven, with 100 total points. That's your UAE Derby winner, the Japanese bred. Taiba, number eight, surprise winner of the Santa Anita Derby. He went from a maiden special weight win at six furlongs to the Santa Anita Derby going a mile and an eighth. He's he's raced twice in the last like five weeks, and he's now headed to the Kentucky Derby. He beat Forbidden Kingdom and Messier in that race, and... Taiba, the 100 points. He got simplification. He won the Mucho Macho Man, second in the Holy Bull, won the Fountain of Youth, third in the Florida Derby, battle-tested, pretty versatile. He's got some tactical speed, but he's shown in races where he's had bad starts that he can sit and he can pass horses. He's number nine on the list with 74 points. Smile Happy was your 
runner-up in the Risen Star, runner-up in the Bluegrass. He has one at Churchill Downs, which is nice, and he's going to go third start off the bench, so another one who should be peaking in the Derby. He was behind Zandin last time out. I just get the feeling Zandin's a little bit better than him, but there's nothing wrong with Smile Happy, and he, if he's a horse who gets forgotten about a little bit, he he's one that absolutely could win this race with the right type of trip. I feel like it kind of really takes a big like a lot of those horses in that top 10 with Smile Happy there I feel like most of them not sure what to do with Crown Pride but most of them have a shot and wouldn't really surprise me now you start getting to horses that feel like they'd be a little bit more of a surprise like Slow Down Andy your Low South Futurity winner the Sunland Park Derby winner he's number 11 on the list with 60 total points number 12 has 7 straight in the money finishes that's Barber Road Second in the Smarty Jones, second in the Southwest, third in the Rebels, second in the Arkansas Derby. Shows up, always runs well, picks up pieces. He is going to be on a ton of my Kentucky Derby tickets in underneath spots at least. And I like horses like this who maybe just want, you know he's consistent, you know he's going to fire. And if he keeps firing like that, one of these days he's just going to run into the field where he gets the right type of trip that puts him into the winner's circle and it will be at a big price. I like Barber Road at least as an under type. He's number 12. With 58 points. Un Ojo. Your Delta Maiden winner. Who was the Rebel winner. Second in the Withers. Eighth in the Arkansas Derby. Last time out though. So we'll see if they can turn things around. I think he's had some physical issues. That they were able to uh, figure out. And they hope he's headed in the right direction. He's number 13. Hoping lucky number 13. On the Kentucky Derby points leaderboard right now. He's got 54. The... Wood Memorial runner-up early voting is number 14. He has 50 points um, as he is the Withers winner and the runner-up in the Wood. He's number 14 with 50. Morello, who did not run all that well in the Wood Memorial, he's also got 50 points. He's number 15, so a couple horses who most recently have been running in New York. They are 14 and 15, both with 50 points apiece, but they were not able to get the better of Mo Donegal in the Wood. You've got Messier, who is second in the Santa Anita Derby. Got a pretty nice trip there. He did win the Rob the, the Bob Lewis. He's 16, so if he wants to go for Yakteen, he is now in with those 40 total points. Zozos was your Louisiana Derby runner-up. That's where he picked up 40 points. He's number 17 on the list right now. The runner-up from the UAE Derby, Summer is Tomorrow. That one has 40 points. That one is number 18 on the Kentucky Derby points list with those 40. Charge it, the Florida Derby runner-up, who ran better than I thought he was going to run there. A lot of upside for this guy. 40 points for him. He's number 19. He's in the Derby if they want to go. Tawny Port also has made it in because of that second in the Jeff Ruby. Both of the wins for this one have been on the synthetic. His 40 points put him in the starting gate right now if he wants to go. And on the outside looking in, you've got Happy Jack with 30, Pioneer of Medina with 25, Grantham with 21, Rich Strike also with 21, and then you've got a group of horses with 20 in Rattle and Roll, Ethereal Road, Bye Bye Bobby, Skippy Longstocking, In Due Time, all with 20. They have 33 horses listed, which usually means that those horses are still confirmed that if they would have enough points to go that they'd get in they have their horses that are not con- that are confirmed not to be off the trail so that's usually how it is is that once someone the connections say we're not going to go they remove the horse and their points from this list but we want to talk a little bit about the fillies too 
because I think a lot of times people jump into the Kentucky Derby info and the fields and the list, but they don't talk a whole lot about the Phillies. Let's talk about the Phillies because I think there's a really nice group here. Let's sort of talk about the top 10 to 12-ish of these Phillies. So we've got number one, Kathleen O. She's she has 150 points, and she is four for four. She's the winner of the Gulfstream Park Oak. She's undefeated. And number two, Echo Zulu, she's also undefeated. She was your Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies winner last year. She came back this year in her first start. She won the Fairgrounds Oaks. But people aren't even really talking about her all that much because some of these other Phillies have been so, so good. Echo Zulu should take a step forward off of that, but she didn't look quite as good in that race as she did last year. And we've seen a lot of horses from this particular crop in the boys that were good two-year-olds that have not showed up at all at three. Speaking of three, number three on the Kentucky Oaks Phillies points list is Nest. She has 120 points. She was your Demoiselle winner, your Suncoast winner. She crushed over the weekend in the Ashland at Keeneland. She's won three in a row. She's put herself right on the top tier with Kathleen O, with Echo Zulu. You have Ujiri, who was second in the Golden Rod, third in the Honeybee, and your fantasy winner at Oaklawn. She's number four on the points list with 114. The upset winner of the Santa Anita Oaks, Desert Dawn, is number five on the points list. She has 108 total points. Shout out to Chappie, who was mentioning this one as a horse he thought was working well and training well in the morning. And he was on the show last week talking Santa Anita with us. Santa Anita Oaks winner Desert Dawn with 108 points. She's number five for the Phillies on the Kentucky Oaks points list. Nostalgic was a really nice winner of the Gazelle. She's had two wins in a row back-to-back, a good one prior to that. Nostalgic, she has now up over 100 points with her 101. She is number six on the points list for the Phillies. You've got Venti Valentine, the horse she defeated Venti Valentine is number seven. She has 94 points. She won the Busher. She was second in the Demoiselle, second in the Gazelle. The connections have said they think she may be more of a miler. I wouldn't be shocked if she is a horse that we don't end up seeing run. But again, if you made the field and you have a shot and she was really good um, and she still was not bad, it's not as if she can't compete, but I just don't think it's her best going long, going that long. So we'll see what they end up doing with Venti Valentine. Secret Oath, major player. She had won three in a row, the Martha Washington and the Honey Bee, a couple of those. And then she tried the boys in the Arkansas Derby. She was a good third that day. She has 80 points on the Kentucky Oaks list. And keep in mind that she could have been number one on this list had she run in one of the bigger Kentucky Oaks Philly prep races, but she chose to prep against the boys there. Goddess of Fire is number nine. She's been second in three consecutive races, the Gulfstream Park Oaks and the Rachel Alexandra, a couple of them. She has 62 points total. She's number nine on the Philly points list. Turner Loose is your Rachel Alexandra winner. She was fourth recently in the Fairgrounds Oaks. She's number 10 on the list with 60 points. Number 11 is Hidden Connection, fourth in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies last year, fourth in the Rachel Alexandra to begin her year, and then she took a step forward, finishing second in the Fairgrounds Oaks. She has 57 points. She's number 11 on the leaderboard. And number 12, let's talk about this one, and then uh, we'll continue to check in the next few weeks and see if we find any more information about uh, certain fillies that are going to run or maybe certain connections decide they're not. 
Cocktail Moments is number 12. She was second over the weekend in the Ashland, third prior to that in the Devona Dale. She is number 12 with 52 points. Shout out to our buddy Matt DeSantis. He gave this one out as one of his stable duel plays on Friday morning. A good runner-up, finishing second in stable duel when she was a big price. Didn't cost you a whole lot to use. Good stuff there, Matt DeSantis. That is a look-in at the Derby and the Oaks. We'll continue to do these live look-ins I guess it's not a live look-in, right? We're not looking at anything live. We'll continue to do a look-in every uh, every week now as we get closer and closer. Speaking of getting closer and closer, we are less than a month away from opening day at Louisiana Downs. They're going to open Derby Weekend Saturday, May the 7th. Louisiana Downs opens up, and every day that there is racing at Louisiana Downs, we are going to provide coverage for it right here on That's What G Said. Also, with live streams, with video streams, with all sorts of social media content, we are going to be helping out. We are going to be talking Louisiana, and we're going to be jumping in to a ton of the Louisiana Downs pools. Really excited about the energy and everything they've got going at Louisiana Downs. So, we'll be talking a lot about it here on That's What G Said. So, last week... We missed episode one of Moon Knight. I was in Dallas, hungover, not feeling all that great after uh, being out for a couple nights. So we wanted to make sure we we were going to be able to get episodes one and two with our normal deep dive. So we set it up ahead of time that we knew we were going to be able to watch the two of them. I'm glad we did. Tim Kelly joins me like he always does anytime there's a Marvel or an MCU show. I think this is a great show for a lot of people that may not be hardcore MCU fans because it's brand new. There's no prerequisites for this. I'm trying to get Stephanie to watch this with me. I've told a few of my friends that this might be a cool show to watch because you don't have to feel like, oh, I didn't watch, oh, this is Thor part five. I didn't watch one through four. I'm not going to care. Totally different. Brand new characters. They don't really reference a lot of other things in this MCU in the Marvel world. We'll get there and they'll all tie in at some point, but it's a good entry point. So if you're a family and friends or some of your significant others, this is a good show to maybe try to get them to hook uh, and watch with you. It's really entertaining. They said it's kind of like a Indiana Jones meets a fight meets a fight club type movie. I can sense that. And now after watching two episodes, I think we get a good feel for these characters. Tim Kelly joins me for a deep dive into episodes one and two of Moon Knight on Disney+. Plus. We are back here on That's What G Said. We have a new world to dive into in the MCU, the newest installment of uh, Marvel's TV show on Disney+. And we actually have two episodes to dissect as uh, there have been weekly episodes now for the last two weeks. We'll be with you now each and every week to go episode by episode. But for today, we have two to dissect. And like always, TK, Tim Kelly, joins me. And Tim, this one was kind of... uh, I think totally different for me at least as I knew so little about Moon Knight coming to the show. Just very little. I I don't – I mean I read a little bit of stuff, but I hadn't really gotten into any of the comics. We – I hadn't seen any previous Moon Knight movies or shows or anything like that, right? I think – all of the characters that we've discussed or most of them that we've talked about in the MCU through things here or there, you knew about a Captain America and you knew about Spider-Man and a lot of these different characters. Even when you were a kid reading comics or hearing stories, Moon Knight was one that I knew almost nothing about. So this was cool for me coming into this kind of blindly and and not exactly 
sure which way they were going to take it right I didn't have some big comic history thinking okay they better do this or they have to do this this was like a blank palette for me yeah I'm in a pretty similar boat to you uh going into this I basically knew Moon Knight as Marvel's uh Batman that I I knew by reputation as that I also knew Moon Knight is uh, a guy named Mark Spector going into it those were like the two things I knew that and uh uh, the Egyptian connection, but I, I kind of kept the blinders on going in because I like to be surprised. You know, we've talked about this before. I like to avoid trailers and all that. So I wanted to go in fresh too, mm-hmm. just like you. And, uh, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, these two episodes were really enjoyable. These are my favorite Marvel, uh, properties probably, uh, to date. I, I honestly think, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, this might be, uh, the best thing Marvel's done. I know I can get pretty high uh, praise on on Marvel, especially early on. Let's see if it sticks to landing. But this has a lot of great ingredients. Episode two for me was one of my favorite of the TV shows that we've seen so far that we've done recapping because the first episode there was still it took me a few kind of I'm trying to fit I was trying to figure some things out right. I was like, what's going on here? And then I think after the second episode. Watching it I was able to flesh a lot more Out from episode one and start to go Ah and then as I watched them To kind of back together now things Make a lot more sense to me and that's what's really Fun about where we are in That there isn't In in these first few episodes this is All brand new this is just like a literally like a brand New tv show which is kind of different from The stuff that we've talked about like Like we said in a good and a bad way Right they're not tying This into a lot of other marvel mcu Stuff Yet right at some point they will Obviously we're in the MCU this guy's going to Start interacting with other people but we're Not we're not interacting Like we said with other properties before This isn't like he's not walking Down the street and Falcon and the Winter Soldier Are there this is this Is all it's not even like Kate Bishop you know in that world Where the Avengers all exist and She's a big fan of Hawkeye or You know Mm Shang-Chi in that Same world where we know about the Ten Rings and this is like all Totally new so that's what It's unique in that we're not Really looking for quote Unquote easter eggs as like Oh Mm -hmm. what does that tie into with this The only we're looking for like Oh what does that mean as far as like Egyptian history and and how Does that tie into art like we're we're Like playing a different game with this show You know like the puzzle we're putting together Is a little bit different than some of the other Marvel Stuff which is cool it's like a new challenge And I'm really excited about what we've seen So far yeah and all this New stuff it it fits in with The existing Marvel tapestry Uh, But you're right it adds a new Layer to the onion here Uh, It's We'll connect at some point, right? We'll get there where we all connect, but now it's it's building this world before it'll connect. Which is great because there's a lot of rich stuff to to draw from here. I mean, just like Thor takes from um, you know, Norse mythology, this is taking from Egyptian mythology, and it seems that Marvel can do that in all directions with 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 many cultures. And uh if they if they do it smartly uh and appropriately, it, it can be a, a really fun thing to explore, I think. And I, I hate having to do this because I, I don't want to feel like we're always just going back and shitting on Eternals, you know, but just yeah. comparing these first two episodes we saw, which was like, I don't know, an hour and a half of, of TV of worth of content versus like the first half of Eternals and just compare the two. Like, I feel like I know so much more now in these two episodes about it's like little things about uh, Khonshu and Amit 
And even Arthur Harrow and sort of his motivations And now we're starting to find out more about Steven and Slash Mark and Layla It's like little, all these little things You're sort of invested, you sort of feel like you know I think they've just done a great job in these first two episodes Building what's kind of difficult too, right? It's like, as much as this is entertaining and fun And like an all Marvel MCU stuff There's going to be comedy in there This is Marvel's you know, quote unquote, take on something that's supposed to be in the horror genre, and the topics are a little nerdy, right? It's like you're reading a history book with some of this stuff, right. and so you got to be like anything. You got to be careful the way it's presented and the way it's put put forward. And they do a great job with comedy, and the acting is fantastic. I always love when actors get a chance to play these. Split personalities These dual roles Where they're having these conversations with themselves Looking in the mirror Going back and forth And our main character uh, Stephen Grant slash Mark Spector Is someone who suffers from Dissociative identity disorder And he has blackouts All all throughout So the, the entire first episode we don't really know what's going on. This guy keeps waking up and then flash, boom, he's somewhere else. Flash, boom, there's like a blackout. He's he's in a different place, completely different location. And he doesn't even know what's real and what's not. And I love how they, for a while, they kind of tease us. Because like we don't know, was that a dream or not? He'll wake up from something, he'll look around and think he was dreaming, think he was sleeping. And then we start to find out as we see that Time and days have actually elapsed Like elapsed yeah. <laughs> He's missed things He like his his fish is a different fish It's um it's it's really cool Like it I understand where they're going In the horror genre it's not really scary Because there's still enough comedy in it But mm-hmm. when you stop And think about what's actually going on To this guy it is pretty terrifying Yeah and there's some Great moments some horror moments uh, uh, The hallway scenes I want I want a good Kanchu hallway scene Every episode of of this show Uh, They make him look good I like the way He looks he looks terrifying I'm trying To put my finger on like what It's a combination of like where I've Seen there's something like Donnie Darko-y you know to the Monster that it not not the way He looks but just sort of like the the Way that the style that the monster Is that it kind of reminds me it like it's like a combination of a couple of these figures from I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I'll get there in the next few weeks as we continue to see yeah. him. I'm like percolating yeah. a, a thought on where it is, you know? Yeah, there's something uh, incredibly creepy about the des- the character design and the, the character design and the production design throughout this whole series is just top notch. I love every bit of it. I love the way they shoot the show. There's a it doesn't scene- feel as is half assy in spots. You know, I no. think with some of the CGI and stuff, as we've seen maybe in other spots either. No, it feels very high end to me. Uh, and uh, Marvel's been really good about that, I think, uh, for the most part on, on their shows, making it feel like like the big screen brought you know down on a on a smaller scale. Uh, but the the quality here is just on a different level. I feel like they're reaching for prestige TV here. Uh, and they're actually achieving their goals. And that's something that they've done in the past with their other shows, but they've kind of been hit or miss at times uh, with it, with achieving that level of quality. This, for me, felt like that, you know, from bell to bell. Uh, and I just love every, every bit about it. There's, it a, there's, there's a sequence early on um, where it's all handheld and they're shoot, it's a shot with um, 
with, with Steven and his boss, Donna. And it's, it's just, there's a chaos to it. And that, that theme comes up later on chaos, but I, I couldn't put my finger on it in the scene watching it early on, but just that level of detail, the way they approach yeah. just shooting the camera work in there. I love the pacing the nature of it. Like the, the choice yeah. they make is tremendous. The pacing of the show. I really like too. It doesn't, you, it doesn't ever feel like there's a moment where it's dull, right? You're never sitting really. It's always like it's always moving, but it's not moving too fast where you can't really catch your breath. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it feels like it's got a purpose. You're you're moving forward. Sometimes some of these shows, because, and and that's what's great about the, I think the first installments of new characters when they introduce these new characters in these new worlds. Some of these other shows where we kind of revisit people, they can have lulls for a while, right? It's like they're coming back. They have this big, long story to tell with this. It's like, boom, all this new stuff coming right at you. Like we're right into this world where this guy is like two different people. Now all and the way that we, we start and honestly we have got two episodes So we can get into it because we're going to hit everything And we can start with our first episode uh, Deep dive and then we'll jump right into episode two Deep dive I thought it was incredible TK uh, Just starting with Sort of the villain in, in his point of view In episode one We get the character of Arthur Harrow That we are going to see Played by Ethan Hawke who does a fantastic job Playing this like he, I think he had said in an interview that he modeled it after David Koresh, yeah, you know, like a like a cult leader. In the- I just saw that series; it's on Paramount Plus. If you haven't seen it yet, the Waco uh, series, it's oh, just tremendous, awesome. Okay, I'll check it out. Awesome. And uh, what he's doing is, we see him like kind of performing like a little like a little ritual. He takes a drink of water and then he smashes the glass, and all of the broken glass. He pours inside of his shoes What's fascinating about this And I, it was pointed out On, on uh, New Rock Stars And in a couple other places that I read When you, normally you know, the, the walking on broken glass Is something that we, we've seen Throughout history in, in a lot of different Walks of life Like sacrificing And um, you know, having to, to walk through the pain To get to the other side What's crazy about this is he does it and nobody can even see it Like this is just for himself This guy is a true like Whatever he believes in he's nuts But he believes in it 100% Because he's doing this as like A suffering as in a pain This isn't for show He's doing it by himself he's alone when he does it It's the first thing he does when he gets up it's it's amazing And the, and the juxtaposition with That and Steven getting up and he's got the sand And his feet touch the sand I, I love that I saw some yeah. people that out as well Really great and we get the everybody hurts <laughs> the music right when you come into the music is uh really fascinating and he's walking on broken glass and then boom we get a flash just like you said to a man waking up in his bed kind of confused he takes off his covers to reveal shackles on his legs and then he kind of steps into sand so this guy has you know blackouts problems sleeping doesn't not sure what happens when he wakes up in the morning so he has sand around his bed as sort of a signal for him when he touches when he feels the sand he knows that he's up and sleepwalking it's like a, a a way for him to to alert himself and when he his his music is uh, every day i wake up it's a 60s song and we get that marvel mcu intro and uh 
this guy's, you know, kind of confused. He sees those shackles on his legs, but then he comes to, and it's just, you know, back to back to normal. He's talking to his fish, Gus, <laughs> and then he calls his mom. And he, hey, mom, just checking in. I got your postcard, leaving a message uh, for his mom. Um, yeah, I keep putting it on Gus's tank now, and he's talking about the fish, you know, leaving a, a, a message. It's like anyone would call their mom, you know, just stupid, mundane BS stuff that you're saying. And uh, says, anyways, mom. All's well here, not too bad, but I still wake up every morning feeling like I got hit by a bus. So what, what we notice here, TK, is that what's happening to this guy just started happening, right? This isn't something that he's been dealing with his entire life. Something has shifted recently to where all of a sudden this guy, he's losing his mind. He can't control himself. He can't get a hold on his sleep what he's if he's awake, he doesn't know if he's in dreams or not. He's tired all the time when he gets up, and we even see when he starts going to work that it's the people around him are are sort of noticing that he's a little bit off. Yeah, yeah, and I I love the tone of this. It just it just cues you in right on right away that things aren't right. You can see it from the the setup in his room. Uh, obviously, he's eccentric. You're wondering what's going on with the sand here. Uh, and, uh, I love that they, that they, uh, have the relationship with the fish. Uh, all of his relationships at this point are one-sided. We see him interact with a fish that's not talking back to him. We see him talking to his mom. That's not, we don't hear what the mom's saying. We, he could be talking to nobody on the other end. We're already cued in on that. Something's not right. And, uh, that cue of that, he felt like he got hit by a bus. That's a clue right there. That uh, that he's probably not getting good sleep. So what's mm-hmm. going on with that? Uh, and we've seen stuff like this before. Multiple personalities are uh, a, a trope, really, for this type of storytelling for comics. Uh, we saw something similar with No Way Home and, and the Green Goblin just recently. And of course, we've got uh, classic uh, films. Uh, you know, Memento. I'm thinking about that losing time aspect. Lost is sort one of- that pops up a lot in the second episode. There's a lot of things that remind me of Lost. Yeah, and just like with Lost, with um, with the way, and this was I think on the Ringer verse that I was listening to this, um, just sort of the way that Arthur feels, kind of like was it Jacob on the island, or like you know he wants to, why why doesn't he get the approval? He feels like he why does why does Jacob want want me? What what what's going on? Why am I not why am I not chosen? Why are you chosen, John? Why are you the guy? Why why am I not the the man for Conchu anymore? Why does Conchu not want me? There's right. a lot of like kind of funny overlaps there too. Um, as uh, yeah, th- he I gotta say it. This is one of those things. Oscar Isaac just does such a fantastic job here. He's just like he plays the regular guy. You know, it's just a little things like when he's walking out of his apartment and he runs into the street vendor right in front of him. Hey, mate, still selling the old brushes and brooms, right? In front of my <laughs> entrance, right? I got no problem with it, though. Cheers, you know, and he walks away. It's just like those little things where it's like, that's that's a scene and just in doing acting and stuff myself. People would try to say those few lines naturally and not be able to do it. Right. right? It would, it would right. come off unnatural just trying to say that. But for him, it's just like, he walks right out. Oh, hey, mate, just selling the, you know, he, he rips the guy and then he just keeps on the phone call with my mom. Anyway, sorry, I missed you, mom. I'll try you again tomorrow. Later, Gators, you know, and, you know, it's like anyone you're up in the morning, you're getting ready. All of a sudden he realizes he's late for the bus. He chases after it. And when he's catches it, he's standing up on the bus. He's actually falling asleep on like a random stranger in front of him. 
guy the guy looks at him like what the hell are you sleeping on me for he's like oh hey my bad and so he is definitely tired he's definitely not getting enough sleep and he walks into work at the art museum and uh, a little girl is there in her her school uniform and she's like sticking a piece of gum inside uh, a little miniature pyramid of Giza and and he sort of like walks up and kind of he kind of wants to scold her and scare her but also have fun with her he's just kind of playing around with her like hey it looks like somebody missed to the love you yeah. know, for the museum I yeah. love about it yeah well and we're finding out that his motivations like he wants to be a tour guide right he he loves Ancient Egypt and the history This guy's very knowledgeable about it You can tell his entire apartment And his books all over He's very well read about all of this stuff And the place that he works And so he knows all these things And um, and so much that uh, His boss Who's great, um, Donna She makes me laugh Her just like attitude is just really funny And their, their back and forth is great He's trying, so as, as Steven's trying to scare this girl He says, uh Look in there, there's something wicked. Check it out. They'd take this big metal hook and they'd go up the old nozzle and all the organs would come out except for the heart. And he's like trying to really scare her. She's like, yeah. How come? And he's like, Because they'd believe you need your heart to be judged in the underworld and only the worthiest would be allowed to pass through the field of reeds. And it's not scaring her at all. In fact, she flips it on him. She goes, Did it suck for you getting rejected from the field of reeds? And he's like, What? Wait, what? That doesn't make sense because I'm not I'm not dead and, and like as he's arguing with this little girl His boss is like Steven you're late Get over here you know come on So <laughs> it's just a funny little uh, A little back and forth we We see with uh, with this guy early on And he says something Great there doesn't he he says something like I'm not Dead am, am I like yeah he yeah. Legitimately believes for that one Moment or he questions it for that one moment Am I am, wait am I dead we've heard him Say he doesn't even really he feels Like he got hit by a bus like he's like losing some senses of his reality at the you know so far and Donna, um, his boss, you know she interrupts. Come on, I don't have to tell you. You're not the bloody tour guide. She says you you're not unless you're doing what you're paid to do. You're useless. So sell these to the children. And it's like candy and little stuff in the gift shop that he jokes about. Is like, what does this sugar have anything to do with Egypt? You know, <laughs> nothing. Said, uh, they didn't really have this back then, did they? They liked figs and dates as he jokes with this girl, uh, a co-worker of his. And she says, we're still on for seven tomorrow. And he's like, oh, going to vibe still. Yeah. Oh, she's down. She is DTF, TK. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she is just feeling him. Like, she is smiling and grinning. And it feels like he's put in some work, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's, he's like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, he's looking at her, and she's like, the way she's looking at him, he's like, what the hell? Like, what did I? Okay. And <laughs> she goes, seven o'clock tomorrow, best steak in town. And he's like, oh yeah, right. Yeah. And he he doesn't understand what's going on. He said, are 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 you asking me out? <laughs> and she laughs. She thinks he's joking, and she says, you're funny. I'll see you then. And and Donna, the boss, oh, Stevie, you rascal. I didn't know you had taken a crack. And he says, I didn't know either. But Donna's confused. The boss, she goes, wait, aren't you a vegan? Did she say steakhouse? What, what, what are you going to eat at a steakhouse? And now he's confused. 
He's like, did I make plans at a steakhouse? Like, oh, I don't know, st- salad, bread, you know. So this, he doesn't really understand what's gone on there. Uh, but it's sort of in passing, you know, you does don't really think twice of it until he kind of looks around and notices that something's off with one of the displays. And he, he tries to tell her, hey, look, Tarrit, God is Tarrit. Oh, that reminds me, he said, I, w- I saw the banners outside. He said, you know, the... Banners and the posters of Aeneid And she said what the Aeneid You know the group of Egyptian gods And she's like stop this I know you're trying to Impress me right it's not gonna work You're not gonna be a tour guide stop it He's generally just trying to say look There's something missing out there it's probably gonna Make us look bad in this so he He's Perceptive there's a lot of little Clues to things they're dropping in these Conversations too that it doesn't feel All that important the first time through but After watching these episodes now they make sense, you know. She says, "This is the third time this week you shuffled in like a lazy sod." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then because of that, she puts him on inventory, which is sort of like a punishment. You know, late at night he'll be there by himself, having to you know stalk and and do inventory. So that ends up leading to, you know, him having to stay up and his sleep schedule being a little bit off and making things even harder on him. Just so like little things like that that we find. But this guy TK knows his stuff Like he's a smart dude He he knows his, oh, his yeah. Egyptian history Yeah he seems like he's he's a genius At this stuff and he belongs You know uh, as a tour guide uh, So it's like what? why can't he make the, the That connection here Why can't he get that job uh, And I love at this point That it, it, it's like a workplace comedy We feel like something's off Obviously with the sure. with, You know we've, we've all seen Fight Club before So we're kind of cued in on to that aspect of things by this point. At least I was. Um, but I love how there it just feels like the office a little bit. It's kind of funny. They're like they have a right to it. Uh, but then this scene also was that one that I described where it's it's handheld, but chaotic handheld. Like there's so much movement to it. I, I, my first viewing of it, I was like, what is going on here? But it made, makes more sense because uh, on, on my second viewing, because there's uh, just that chaos within Steven uh, and his character and that sense of like sh- being on shaky ground and mm-hmm. not, you know, that instability. Uh, and that's coming through the camera work here. I-, I-, I love what's going on up until this point. And like you mentioned earlier, you're- we're invested because we know important things about these characters and their motivations already. We know he wants to be a tour guide already with very little things. Uh, we, we care about him because he cares about his, his fish and he, you know, he's got, he seems date. pretty genuine he, with his mom, right. On the conversation yeah, with his mom, it's like yeah. little things like that. Even with the guy outside that he has an interaction with, he's like, thanks for being right in front of my thing. It's okay. You know, like we, he seems genuine. Exactly. Exactly. We like him. We see his flaws. We see his, the, the things he has, has to overcome. We see his goals and motivations already. Uh, and we haven't even gotten into the the meat of the supernatural elements of it, although they've started to pepper in, you know, the 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 basics for that. Uh, and uh, just just by mentioning this mythology, it allows for us to go there with our minds, yeah. like and, mm-hmm. and accept the supernatural world because we're we're already thinking in terms of ancient Egypt and we're thinking in terms of mythology, and then we're just you know meshing that with our our. You know, modern world, and that's that's what the story is trying to do. And I, uh, this is really fun. And I think, as we were talking in the in sort of the very beginning in the intro, I think they changed the actual profession and sort of like the alter ego of mm-hmm. Moon Knight 
to be a, a, like a normal guy instead right. of more of a Richie Bruce Wayne type because right. they didn't want to make it seem identical to Batman. Because I think yes. in the comics and stuff, the, the character of Steven or Mark, you know, the alter ego is actually a very wealthy sort of Bruce Wayne, Tony Stark kind of guy. Yeah, you know? and that's has played out already. Like we already have, like you said, Tony yeah. Stark. But even in, in DC Comics, not only do we have Bruce Wayne, but like Green Arrow is the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it goes on from there. I'm forgetting a bunch of people who are also probably billionaire, wealthy uh yeah, Playboy philanthropists. <laughs> so it, it it would be be like, oh, another one of them. It, this is cool. Like I like it's a little bit different. They can they can do this, and it it works with him being the uh, gift shop ish ist the museum ish. Yeah. <laughs> he calls himself in a in a few moments. So he he's just genuinely trying to help, though. He said, look, I'm not trying to slag off marketing. There's been a major blunder. They've got seven gods here. The idiot has nine. Donna says I fired two of them for being late If you don't stop muttering at me I'm going to shove you in a sarcophagus Which is probably where he got the name For the fish right Gus sarcophagus at the end yeah. that, that might be the nickname there For the for the fish he Says you can tell Pharaoh in there What's wrong with all of them So we see Stephen leaving at the end of the day Walking out And he says goodbye to the museum guard Scotty, or he said, because guy goodbye to the museum guard JB, and JB calls Steven Scotty. Doesn't even yeah. know his name. He's like Steve the V. It's like I see you every day, mate. Like we go in and out of here. You call me Scotty, and uh, so Steven sits down on a bench, and he's talking. Does this remind you of of uh, Euro Trip? This guy. It's been a while. It's the been robot a robot guy. So the guy that he sits down on, it's like a mime. That he's talking to it literally looks like a statue Like you don't even realize that it's a real person But it's because he's painted in gold From like head to toe But it's like the robot guy from uh, From from Eurotrip and they do like the robot battle The yeah. And they're doing the Like they're doing the fight But it's really funny because Steven's just talking to this person who's not going to talk back to him You know he yeah. does, And that's the one thing we're noticing is that He talks to himself a whole lot whether it be through the fish Or in the conversations that he's having With his mom that we don't even know if they're real or not Right is he really calling his mom Is right. it is it something that's been Set up by the alter ego Of Mark that we're gonna you know Find out in, in a little bit um, So a lot of what we Hear Steven talking To or sort of the exposition Is him just to himself uh, Which is it's kind of it's sad in a weird way in, in, in a way, you know, right here He's, he doesn't have anyone to you know, Talk back to him right. And he says, hey, it's like my body Wants to get up and wander about, you know Like it has, it has to get the 10,000 steps in And I don't even know about it until I wake up Wherever, that's why I try to stay awake at night What do you think? And he's talking to this mime person who just It's is funny and up. creepy at the same time Right? Like, yeah. it, like mime it, That's the intent That's the whole, like Vibe of the show I feel it's, it's it is Between that like silly Horror And and it dances and, that Yeah I don't know it's 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 very unique tone and I, That's what feels so refreshing about this Unique scene. is the perfect word right it doesn't Feel like we've seen this before It's parts it's, of it feel familiar but Oh the, yeah you can cool. pick things out but then it, it When it starts to lean really Into all the serious stuff then it gets light you know, and once it starts to lean into the lighter comedy stuff, then there'll be like a spooky moment or two that pop out. 
So it's kind of just keeps you on your toes in that sense. You're not quite sure what it is yet, which is really cool. Um, it's in that way. I got to get yeah. prop Ramey, and we're going to be seeing him very soon. I agree. I agree. It's a good way of putting it. And uh, he continues on. He says, you know, I try to stay awake at night. What do you think? And Levy says, no, you're right. I mean, I guess there are stranger things that people do. Like, he's responding to himself, like, as the, the right. person responds, which is great. Uh, no, wait, I think that's a bit... And, and it makes me think, you know, just in watching this now, it's like, is somebody actually talking back to him? You know, like, is he hearing a voice from Mark or something, you know, that he doesn't even realize and thinks it might be like his inner monologue or, you know, a conscience? Is, is there another voice in there that is speaking back to him that he's responding right. to, you know? Does he have? I mean, you talked about the any ad before. Does he have nine voices? Yeah. Yeah. I keep thinking about that. Right. Like, is the two? Yeah. Uh, cool stuff as he says uh, extra pralines for the man himself like is he, he's just eating food with this guy like they'd be their buddies you know talking back and forth and as he's just chumming it up he's uh, approached by some strangers that just ask him to take a picture can you take our picture with him he's like sure no problem again these are like the little things that we're like oh this is just a nice guy like he yeah. just has no problem just taking a picture with them he says, one, two, three, cheers. There you go. And he just jokes, don't forget the tip, you know, to his buddy. Throw something in to the picture. Take your picture with the uh, with the mime here. And uh, and then he just goes right back on talking. Anyway, so if I'm going to have a girlfriend at some point, I obviously can't have ankle restraints on my bed, can I? I mean, this girl, the one from work, we're going on a date tomorrow. And, I mean, I got to figure something out. Uh, anyways, I got I, I to gotta jog on. Nice catching up. We'll, we'll see you on the flip-flop. And he tosses the coin in. It's like, it's a, like. It's just like really kind of beautiful little little moment with him just talking to this guy by himself. It made me just like, oh, you know, it was like genuine. Yeah, that, it was really nice. And was this the moment, too, uh, that they they shoot it through the reflection in the puddle? Yep. And see it, it flip as he as he turns and it just it turns the whole image on its head. Your expectations of what's real and what's not. You're just reminded of that with with the visuals here. The The visual language that they use is just top notch it's really well done now we are back in steven's apartment and it's getting late at night and he puts in a a tape it's called staying awake hello and welcome to staying awake let's start with trying to solve a puzzle it's one of those books on tapes you know that help you get through whatever you're trying to get through this one is of course trying to keep him up solving puzzles is a great way to keep your mind awake and so as they say that, we see a clip of him do, working on the Rubik's Cube. Mm-hmm. Then it says, bored with puzzles? Try a book. And we see him reading through some of his books. Reading can keep your mind alert and focused. Imagine being in the story that you're reading. Is there an exciting chapter you'd like to be a part of? But just remember, you'll need about five hours to keep your natural self. <laughs> so we just see him like following the instructions of the tape. And then the tape starts again. Hello and welcome to staying awake. Let's start with trying to solve a puzzle so we can get the sense that he's gone all the way through the tape and the tape starts over again. And he's just trying to do everything he can without falling asleep because he doesn't know what the hell is going to happen to him when he falls asleep. Like waking up on the floor outside. No clue where he is. He's in the Alpines. He's in the Alps like in a, a mountain range. Face first in the grass, like broken jaw. He has to readjust it. 
Yeah, that was no. sick. I feel like it dislocated, maybe. That yeah, was like, really... He's got to, like, push his jaw back in. It's like... That was great detail. And yeah. we were right up on it. Like, the camera was right up in his grill for that. And it just was just... Ugh. So it didn't work. His, uh, his book on <laughs> tape here. The staying awake didn't get the job done. He has no clue where he is. He goes, oh, that was weird. What happened? What, 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 what was that? He looks up. He sees like a village and he knows he's not close to home. And as he's looking around, all of a sudden there's a, a voice from the sky. Go back to sleep, worm. And yeah. the, the voice of Khonshu is awesome. I think it's uh, what F. Murray F. Abraham. Yeah. And it's just this booming voice. And it what's cool about it is it's it kind of sounds like uh, the Transformers. Um, like one of the, the one of the main voices from Transformers, but it's got this. It's not like evil, but it's got this. Like it's it. You, it's like a. How am I trying to descri- try to describe it? It's got this sense of like, um, like misbehaving in the voice, you know, but like not pure evil. I think they do a fantastic job with, with when you hear it, you have to ask the question like, is Conchu good or bad? Yeah, yeah. He's kind of he's got a malevolent edge to him for sure. Um, it's, and it seems that way, you know, just from his interactions throughout the, these two episodes. Yeah. Uh, that but, but, he's selfish. That these are selfish gods. These aren't like perfect beings by any stretch. No. And then, but then, when the deeper we get into it, we realize, you know what? He's not as bad as some of the others, right? Because in in just thinking about what Konshu does versus like what Amit does, Konshu right. punishes people once they've done wrong, which makes sense. You do wrong, you get punished. Amit will punish people before they do anything wrong. Just for right. the thought of that, which is absurd. Like when we get to Steven talking about the like killing of babies and just for bad thoughts. And I'm not into the child killing, you know, and just comparing the two of them. I don't baby Hitler, The baby I, Hitler thing. Yeah, yeah. In a few I different. Uh, remember on one of the. Uh, Recaps I was listening to or hearing so forgive me for not uh, giving them credit but I think somebody had said you're better off with Conchu than with Amit but you're probably better off with nothing than with Conchu mm-hmm. right cuz cuz Conchu will like give you powers and sort of like you you can use the powers for good we're kind of in like a ghost rider situation here too you know it's right it's a weird situation where this sort of bad guy gave you your powers and can kind of help you, but will sort of help you do good or maybe not as bad as the other bads. <laughs> so it seems just, like if you're an avatar too. It, you are, you basically lose your body. It's you're not your like instrument. Yeah. You're just that, per, that exactly. You're that God's instrument. So yep. you lose all of your autonomy. Now this voice of Konshu. And it scared the hell out of Steven. He says, hello? He has no idea what's going on, where he is, what's happening. And the voice says, you're not supposed to be here. Which I just think it was funny. You're not supposed to be here. I can tell him. He's like, yeah, uh, yep, I completely agree. <laughs> where are you? And Conchu says, surrender the body to Mark. <laughs> what? Surrender what? The body? What? The, what surrender what body? Conchu says, oh, the idiot's in control. <laughs> and as Steven reaches into his pocket, he finds this gold pendant looking thing with Egyptian hieroglyphics all over the place. It's 
called a scarab and and then we just sort of, sort of see behind him this big dark figure it appears quickly but when steven turns around it's gone it's like a little glimpse of conchu in the background and then when steven turns around the place is sort of a little different now there's a castle there's kind of people up looking outside of the the castle and one's looking down at him and he thinks for a moment it's going to be okay he's like, hello hey how you doing and then all of a sudden they start shooting at him <laughs> He starts to run It's like this is an invader This is an intruder in their village This guy just showed up out of nowhere Of course people would be scared and shooting at him And you know Conchu says Don't just stand there run And so I mean he's being Steven's being chased now He's being shot at And he runs into sort of From this castle down into a little village That we could see And as he runs into this village TK He's trying to just blend in You know he throws his hood up He's trying to hide And there's He's he's lucky at the moment Because he kind of runs into a big crowd of people And he's able to sort of blend in Kind of nicely in there As uh, we get our first real glance at And we get to hear from Arthur Harrow More than we saw with him just at the very very beginning And this is this you know cult Like leader Of this group of people who are You know pretty Crazed uh, Worshippers of old Egyptian gods and rituals And they basically worship the god of Amit and What they want is to Reincarnate this god they want to bring This god back they feel like They have found a way to do so and he is trying to lead people to brace to basically reincarnate this Egyptian god. And we kind of find out through the first couple episodes that Arthur is sort of like a, a scorned girlfriend, right? Like he was the one that was chosen to be the avatar previously for the god that now chose Mark. And so now it's like Arthur's Kind of jealous that he doesn't get to be that Instrument anymore he wants to go Find his own god that he can Be an avatar for and he finds Amit so there's a lot Of motivation here for Arthur that While we look at him walking In the broken glass and all that It is sort of personal I think he does really just Maybe feel scorned and feel Like he got thrown to the to the Side and he should have been the the avatar Forever for this god that's interesting. I didn't pick up on that. I I I picked up on that sort of, but I I interpreted what happened a little bit differently because I thought that Arthur had a little bit more agency in his decision to leave and um he, and, and worship. Yeah, he kind of he he sort of says that, you know, and I wonder if that was his way of trying to save face a little bit cuz he mentions when they interact that well, yeah, you know, uh um what does he say uh this he he's a the other gods have banished him. They don't like him. They think he's immature. They think he's you know they he sort of acted like you're right. He chose and it was his decision not to be the avatar anymore. Whereas I think in doing a little diving and and I think we will come to find out that it it might have been flipped because I I mm-hmm. think we'll find moving forward that this. Was not necessarily uh, That Khonshu isn't all bad That Khonshu has kind of got A little good in there And I, I think, and th- this is me just making predictions I think we're going to find out that Arthur Was trying to go too far With some of Khonshu's Requests or what Khonshu wanted And I think that's why he might have decided 
I'm going to find a new avatar And he went and got Mark Because I, mm. I feel like there's At some point in these first couple episodes There's a moment where We hear that Conchu has been had been sort of Scouting Mark For a while Kind of waiting for the moment to go get him And we Mark drops these hints that Conchu saved his life or that the only reason why he's alive is because of Conchu. And maybe that was a physical thing. Maybe he brought him back to life. But again, right. this is my predictions. I could be Mephistoing it here, right? We could be way, going way <laughs> off the rails. But so this is what's fun about these week-to-week shows where you sort of have these like uh, what you think may happen and what, what we think may have uh, what, what come forward. So he, yeah. he, he nails this, though, Ethan Hawke. He feels oh. like this awesome... Like cult leader and the people Follow him and he's creepy But he's he's a little charismatic Right You know As an audience member you believe him And you, you can see how Other people would believe in him mm-hmm. uh, And that opening scene uh, I mentioned earlier it's iconic First of all I, I can't think of anything in, in Marvel That, that introduced when they, Where they introduced a character that was instantly that memorable, unique, iconic. Told you as much as as we learned about Arthur Harrow in that. I can't either. Moment when when he puts the glass in his shoes, like that was just unbelievable. So uh, it's a uh, he's because you may like or not like this guy, but he's real. That's the thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and you get that David Koresh reality too. You know that that this. This performance was grounded uh, in reality because it was based on a real person, and I, mm-hmm. I could totally see the similarities after watching the Waco series. Yeah, and he's not one of those phony leaders, right? He believes, and he wouldn't do something that he wouldn't he wouldn't ask you to do something that he himself isn't doing, or mm-hmm. wouldn't wouldn't yeah. do five times through. You know, that's the the one thing that um people always say about Vince McMahon I'm a wrestling fan you know and he'll make people do embarrassing things in on TV and in matches and do get stink face get, but Vince would would do anything that he asks you to do 10 times over he'd go embarrass himself more than anyone else so that's the thing is that you got to make sure if you're going to ask someone or expect something of someone else you would do that and that's what as a leader you have to show that Sometimes to get people to believe you got to get down in the dirt sometimes in the mud and let them know this guy does this and we see it from the first scene of this series and uh, he you know the people love him they let him walk right through it's literally like it reminds you of when you would see Jesus like talking like scenes of, of movies or like Jesus talking and they just sort of let him walk through you know and he's like patting everyone on the back and shaking hands with everyone as he walks around and he walks up to the front of the crowd and he asks, who'd like to go first? And one man walks up. He says, you're a brave man offering your soul for judgment, wanting to serve our goddess even before she wakes. He takes the hands of the man. He says, I judge you in Amit's name with but a fraction of her power. And on Arthur Harrow's arm, there's a tattoo of scales that are weighing each person. And every time he has this moment where he locks hands and he basically judges them, the scales weigh all of what they've done in their lives, the good and the bad and what they will do. And it's a test. Are you good or are you bad? And this man has passed the test. He says, this is the face of a good man. He smiles 
and he's passed. Cool. It doesn't seem like anything too bad, right? He's good. He moves along. <laughs> Next woman steps up. She says, please, Harrow, I must know. Tells her, call me Arthur. Come on. Will you accept your scales regardless of the outcome? She says, yes. He grabs her hands. But this time, that tattoo goes red. And that's not good. The tattoo going green, that means you passed. That's what we saw with the man. When it goes red, not good. He tells the woman, I'm sorry. And she says, I've been good my entire life. And I believe this woman. I don't even know this woman. But seeing the way she said it and the look in her eyes, I genuinely believe that she was scared of not being a good person, fearing what would happen to her here. But yeah. it didn't wasn't enough. Arthur even says, I believe you. But the scales see everything. Perhaps it's something that lies ahead. That's the thing that scares the hell out of me the most about this. It's what lies ahead. Pre-crime. Yeah. My pretty report. Yeah. yeah. Says, I wish we could, I wish you could see, or you could live to see the world we make. Yet Amit has decided, has decided, and this woman basically just loses her soul, her spirit, her life. She's dead within seconds, nothing left. She kind of falls to the floor, lifeless body, and the guards yeah. just sort of take her away. Just like the TBA, she got pruned. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh man. This is what Steven gets at when he has the conversation with Arthur. It's the idea of we don't even have a choice. Like we, this is all predetermined. Destiny. Really? Like my actions don't matter. What I, I, I can't get out of this, you know? And, and, and that's something that we, we're going to see, I think in this portion of the MCU. Now we see this a lot, right? This is, just like you were saying with the T uh, with the TVA, this is just like what we're kind of experiencing with Doctor Strange and Peter Parker, you know, in yeah. sending them back. But is it good for them? Is it bad for them? Can we change things? No, but we have to try. We can't just send people back to their death. That's not what we do. We help people. That's not what we do, you know. And right. it just kind of reminds me of that here. Um, and it's the opposite. This is just terrifying to see this woman as uh, a couple of the followers, the guards, they head over to Arthur and they tell him, hey, there was a there's a problem with one of our exchanges. We got ambushed. Someone killed two of our men. Arthur's is the guy still here? Yeah. So then Arthur says something in Egyptian and all of the followers understand what he's saying. So they kneel down. The only one who doesn't is Steven. So he sticks out like a sore thumb. He's like, oh, he tries to fake it. But Arthur immediately <laughs> he's like, oh, tries to kneel. No, it doesn't work. Arthur realizes who the outsider is. And even, uh, you know, in, he even seems to recognize him. Yeah. He says, I know you. And Stephen's like, huh, me? Me? You think I'm a mercenary? No, I'm I'm a <laughs> gift shopist. <laughs> I work at a gift shop. My name is Stephen Grant. And. He says, I'm trying to get back home, back to London. London. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. <laughs> he just like leans into the whole accent, which is funny because I think they are sort of playing into his bad accent or sort of like how an American person would have like you uh, know, an English accent. Uh, this is from an episode of Friends. You talk or no, this is what's it from? Uh, 
<laughs> it's like in Friends and in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. You talk like you're from London. Yes, yes. that's supposed to be me. That stupid accent. That's supposed to be me. <laughs> oh, so this this made me chuckle a little bit, but I mean they're on to him. Obviously here TK and they ask him to return the scarab. Yeah, he's like no problem. I don't I don't even know what the hell. He, oh oh this okay he think okay that little gold thing in my pocket. So he takes it out and as he goes to hand it to him. It's like his body won't let him do it. It's like this me, myself, and Irene. You yeah, know? I was just thinking this is this feels Jim Carrey, but I couldn't. Right? Yeah, 100%. yeah. Or uh, what, it's what, the exact dynamic of that movie too. Yeah, it, it's the um, it's the funny Fight Club. I'm kicking my ass. Do you mind? You know, there's a, I think there's a couple. <laughs> yeah, right. Liar, liar. That's liar, liar. And then there's also the. There's a couple of the Jim Carrey ones that made me think that that one, and even like Cable Guy, I'm thinking of the bathroom beating. Like I, they all come together for me at, at once. But uh, but yeah, Irene, the multiple personalities too. Which it was I, perfect I, with the Irene. Like that's exactly what it would. Which is, I think, a really underrated movie that people it, yeah. you just never hear, hear it talked about. With like yeah. Jim Carrey movies, it's funny. It's really worth the rewatch. There, it's really Brothers movie too, right? Yeah, it is in the pocket when they were in. You know. On their uh, gold streak, mm-hmm. it's it's great stuff, and so we're we're starting to get the sense that Mark physically can't even return this scarab, and the voice says, "You will give him nothing." So as, as Stevens trying to hand this scarab to Arthur, his palm closes on him, his body not responding. He physically cannot give the scarab away. He says, "I'm I'm 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 not trying." It's like my fingers froze here it it must be the high altitude or something you take it you know so it, he doesn't want no understand i'm telling you i didn't do that on purpose i don't know what's happening there just take it just take it oh oh god now i'm trying to stop my legs and he starts running away um it's I love ethan hawk here getting just like slowly more <laughs> angry frustrated <laughs> very fast it's pretty yeah. funny as uh we then just get a flash and you know he, he all of a sudden, Steven's standing over five guards on the floor. They're unconscious, and in his hand, he's got the scarab. His hands are bloody, like <laughs> dripping blood, like not just a little bit of like I punched someone. Like, and we're led to believe through a lot of this that he's just killing people. Like, yeah. it mean, it, it's pretty brutal for a Marvel MCU and for a Disney Plus show. I mean, we. It mm-hmm. reminded me of of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier stuff with the with the shield, you know, mm-hmm. and the blood dripping. His hands are just covered in this blood. It's like, oh, what did he have to do to get the scarab back? And and your, your imagination is probably ten times better than anything they could have shown there. Yeah, I, this was such a cool cheat, and I don't even want to call it a cheat uh, because it was so inventive the way it fit into the story perfectly. Uh, but the way they cut around the action here w- was tremendous. And like it painted a picture every time of what happened. But they probably saved a lot of money, a lot of time, and were able to get around censorship issues for Disney+. Plus. It was brilliant. So the voice is back. No, the idiot's back. And then Stevens is so confused right now. He has no clue what just happened. Now there's the crowd of people angrily staring at him while he's got blood Dripping from his hands He's trying to find an escape route I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna go, alright uh, I see you're angry, I know I've made you angry, I'm sorry And <laughs> the voice tells him You know, Conchu, don't you dare drop the scarab And he's running And he's looking around He doesn't know where to go He just jumps in a cupcake delivery van <laughs> He just steals this car 
and he's driving and he has he's, he mentions that he doesn't even have his license what am i doing i don't know and he looks around there's just cupcakes all over the place he's being chased down this tiny little winding road that was leading down from you know the the alps it's a steep hill and yeah. No, he's screaming, come on, you bloody cupcake van, move it and move your ass. And he's being shot at. It's Wait, this it's fun. Before we go go. Yeah, awake me up before you go go. It's fun, man. Wham. Yeah. It is it's a cool scene. And one guy jumps in the back of the van and is like try is trying to beat up on Steven while he's driving. He makes his way to the front of the van to attack Steven. But then all of a sudden there's another flash and we see this guy is just like in the back of the van, like <laughs> just great out of it. And he just falls <laughs> out of the back of the van with like cupcake all over his face. Yeah. <laughs> it just every time he flashes, Steven wakes back up. He doesn't know what the hell just happened, but somebody's either dead. There's blood all over. Like he, every flash is basically Mark taking over and wreaking havoc. Yeah, saving the day for Steven though. <laughs> 100% saving his life. Absolutely. And and Steven is just terrified because he wakes up and he sees the chaos. You know, guys dead, people laying all over, blood all over the place. He's so confused. Uh, Kanchu tells him, "Wake up, Mark. If he loses the scarab, I'll kill you both." <laughs> and he, he Steven's is like he's all frantic, he doesn't know what's going on. All of a sudden he almost runs into this big truck, this like logging truck in front of him. He dodges this thing on the cliff, he drives around it. There's cars on both sides of him now that are trying to attack him and boom, then another flash. Hmm. Now all of a sudden he's driving backwards. And it's, just, it's like <laughs> it reminds me of that scene in uh one of my favorite like little monologues in Seinfeld is the Kramer on the bus scene, you know, and he's talking, he's like giving the monologue of him driving the bus and this thing happens. He goes, and I know I'm driving the bus. And it's just like, that reminds me of like, and then I'm driving backwards. What the hell? Like, how did this happen? You know? And it, they were just, it was funny. This scene was funny where they kept flashing and he, the whole, the circumstances of the scene, the steep hill, they're driving after him, but he's in this like, Pink cupcake van You know which is just funny and he's Continuing to talk to himself and then this Voice is screaming at him You know and Then he he flashes He wakes back up the car is driving Backwards and Khonshu just tells Did he just throw the gun (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) He's just screaming It's funny uh, Your life basically uh, It's because the, the, the Dynamic is so like it's chaotic, like on every level and it, it, everything is working against each other. Like, like you've got the wham, wake me up before you go, go like pop music, which adds a, a, a layer of, of chaos to it. But also this weird, like ironic sensibility to the whole thing. And they're going down this crazy winding road. And then you're, you're wanting to see Mark, uh, you know, take over the body, but you're also kind of scared and you're empathizing with, with Steven, like feeling like, no, like I need to be in control here, but like, I need somebody also to come save the day. Uh, and those two things are at war with one, with each other. And it's just an incredibly original dynamic and a fun spin on, you know, something we've seen before. Like I mentioned, Memento fight club, uh, me, myself and Irene, uh, this is a, a, a new uh, chapter in, in that this type of storytelling, this multiple personality kind of uh, mystery revealing itself. 
and this sequence was uh, one for the books. It's it's uh, honestly one of my favorite Marvel sequences yet, and it, it, it exemplifies what's so great about this series. It is because it gives you everything: action, adventure, comedy. But this is unique. There's a unique spin to this that's yeah. that's just feels fresh and it feels new. And then all of a sudden, like the the transmission just just goes out, and he looks like he's in some serious trouble. He's like, "Oh shit!" The car's stalled. In it looks as if he's about to be captured. There's a couple men with guns pointed right at him, but then an avalanche like comes down from above. A couple tree, big trees. Just crush the people, take them out Boom, another flash And Steven wakes up And he's back in his bedroom, he's confused He's like looking around, it feels like he was just there And then he looks down and his legs are shackled And he's like laughs, he's like, was this even real? No, it was just a dream But I didn't even, it didn't even happen I was just like hallucinating because I was tired And this was all a dream What a, what a nuts, crazy dream <laughs> Or was it? Or was it as uh, You know he wakes up And he's watching TV and talks to his Fish again how we doing Gus you sleep all right I wonder what the fishes Dream about what the fit He notices that Gus Has two fins And when he talked earlier He was you know he had one Fin what the hell So he goes to the pet store And he asks the woman you know what? What's going on? Yesterday, this fish had one fin. It was like that when I bought him. Today, what you see two. There are two fins. Is that normal? She's like, I'm. What, you want to swap it? Whatever. Go ahead. She, she says to him, like I said yesterday, they've all got. He goes, wait. What do you mean? I wasn't here yesterday. And she's, uh, I don't know who the hell is crazy. You know, she's like. I don't know what the Nemo movie says Find a pet shop that sells disabled fish He's asking her did you sell a disabled fish You know like what did, what did you give me <laughs> And yeah. think about How funny this would be or like How crazy a person would sound If you're like a person you just Saw the day before this is what the woman in the store Is thinking she's like I just saw this guy yesterday Steven doesn't even know that he Just went in there and yeah. that's so her cool reading, Her reading of the situation Too must be like totally flipped I think she's taking it as like that he's mad that like he was sold a, a one fin fish a or something. Salty fish or something. <laughs> yeah. Confusing to her from her perspective. Like I don't like multiple personalities wouldn't be something that would just pop up in your brain as as an option. Another just like little funny interaction here. So he looks up at the clock and he he asks, Is that right? That's impossible. I just woke up. And she says, Are you mad? The fish is wrong, the time is wrong, you're not quite right. Yeah, great line. He says, "Sorry, I got a date. I got to run." So he heads home. He gets ready, like looking at himself in the mirror to tell you look like a knob. You know, I, I just love that he said that to himself. And he he heads out to the restaurant. He looked great, by the way. That's the irony of it. He looked yeah. like looked like sharp. Oh, man, he could really, yeah, sharp. Great, great really, work. really sharp. And he gets there, and his date hasn't arrived, and. It, Looks like he's about to get stood up The waiter keeps coming up to him And the waiter asks are we still expecting one more And so Steven gets his phone and he calls Dylan She says oh you're calling me now huh Punchy calling me He's confused what do you mean I'm at the restaurant It's steak steak time (laughs) She says I ate steak by myself Thanks two days ago Heartbreaking 
He goes, what? He's I thought so we said Friday. She said, yeah, welcome to Sunday. He's <laughs> so confused. Yeah. Wow. Friday still comes after Thursday, doesn't it? And she says, it doesn't change the fact that today is Sunday, which means lose my number. Ouch. Oh, he must have been so stoked for that date, too. I know. She was feeling yeah. it. And you could tell yeah. just like we don't know. But from the sense of it, it was like, man, I bet you Steven had been working on that one for a while. You know, and there must have there was like this one night where Mark actually came through and had the confidence to like say and, you know, like finally mm-hmm. do the things that Steven never did before. And she loved it. And now you like feel like he just ruined this chance, man. Yeah, and she must be thinking this guy's messing with her because, again, like multiple personalities, dissociative personality disorder, I should say, is not something people deal with every day. So they're not expecting that. She just thinks this guy's an asshole who's playing games with her. Like pretending like she must think that he's like a, a, a kind of a sociopath player. She yeah, <laughs> she she hangs up and he talks with the waiter and, you know, he ends up ordering his steak. <laughs> but it's, it's so funny because he's a vegetarian he says I'll have the best bit of the uh, of the steak. That's the bit that I want. <laughs> he says uh, the center cut filet. How would you like that? Good. Yes, very good, very good <laughs> As I'll put it well done for you Which I don't even need steak But I know you don't want it well done I know you don't want it well done right. It's going to lose all the flavor Come on, you know You want it medium, medium well at the most But the, the more well you get The, the less flavor there's going to be uh, So Steven leaves And it's funny, he's calling his mom again Or is he? It's like he's giving his mom the update on the date and he tries to, you know, tell her everything was okay and probably doesn't want make you away with your mom. You don't want your mom to worry, right? Yeah, you know, I think she really liked me, mom. You know, she loved the flowers. And he's throwing the flowers away. And I think I'm gonna bring her around soon. I think you'd love her. She's got a great sense of humor. Anyways, I'll tell you more about her tomorrow. Love you, later's gators. Who is he <laughs> talking to? Yeah. Is that his mom? <laughs> I know. I'm so cra- is it like somebody said, is this something that Mark just set up for him? It's just like some random phone number that he just calls and like it's just a voicemail that you know isn't the mom. Um, is right. Mark helping him? Like, is the alter ego setting things up to make life easier? It's really fascinating the dynamic between these two, as we'll kind of get more into episode two. So back in his place, he's now realizing that something's off. Mm-hmm. It, it actually just seems like the stuff around the apartment is a little bit off, like a little out of sorts, and. He finds a box It's kind of hidden And inside that box there's a cell phone in it And it's like a burner phone And he opens it up and he looks and there's a bunch of missed calls From Layla And then the phone rings again and it's Layla And he answers the phone And a woman goes oh my god you're alive He's so confused He has no idea what's going on Where did this phone come from Who is this woman Where did the last two days go of his life He thought this was Friday It's Sunday night so everything that happened to him was real. He thought that was all a dream. He ended up in the the Swiss Alps. Like what what the hell went on? Yeah. What's it, real? Yeah. So this is we're, we're starting to find a little more and more here. Layla says, "I've been calling and texting you for months. You couldn't give me any sign that you were okay. I thought something happened to you. Where are you? Where have you been?" And he's I, I just found this phone in my flat. I'm trying to figure out whose it is. She's so confused now. She's what's with this accent? What is happening? What do you mean? Who? What's wrong with you, Mark? He says, What did you call me? 
She says, Mark, hello. Steven says, why did you call me Mark? Hello? And that's it. Mm. Now, the phone hangs up, and we hear a voice talking to Steven. It's himself. It's Mark. It's the other personality in there. And Mark says, Steven, you need to stop. You're going to get yourself in trouble. He says, oh, uh, someone's having a laugh. Like, he thinks he's really going crazy. He's kind of creeping around his apartment. Think if you were hearing voices, like you're looking around, where is that coming from? Oh, okay. Then you realize like you didn't turn the phone off. You know, you're, you didn't turn like a, the iPad off over there. Right. And it's like, there's something on from earlier. It's like, oh, okay, I'm good. But he's, what is that? Who is it? Where is it? Like he's expecting something to, to solve the question for him. He's looking around terrified. He runs into an elevator and then the lights are starting to flicker. The lights are going out and the voice tells him, Steven, stop looking. And he's like, uh, what's happening? He thinks he's going crazy. And this part is actually pretty, pretty creepy. It's like a horror scene with yeah. the, the lights going on and off. And he's in, he's going into the elevator and you're sort of expecting someone or something going to pop out. And then there's this crazy evil monster that's walking right at Steven and it's Khonshu. The first glimpses that we are getting of Khonshu. And then as this thing gets closer and closer, boom, it's just the, the old woman, it's one of his neighbors, just getting on the elevator. How you doing, lady? You know, and I'm, this is like to really think that this would be going on in in someone's head is so yeah. terrifying. And yeah, like, it's terrifying for the lady too. Like she's right? seeing fear on Stephen, and she's you know clearly afraid of him. You know, she she gets off the elevator and starts banging on the door uh, because she's just afraid of him. Because why is this man that I'm alone with like so? Freaked out right now but there's something weird About the lady too so I'm not quite sure that that lady was just a lady You know everything in this Whole series makes you question What's real or not you know know, Is it is it quite what we're seeing here And I wouldn't be surprised if we see Things from a different context Later Mm -hmm. on like a shaman Style uh, perspective shift Or maybe maybe we jump into Mark's perspective And go back in time a little bit I wouldn't be Surprised although if they don't do that I won't be disappointed so the woman, she sort of runs off and she gets off on a floor that's not even hers. She says, uh, my friend Claire lives here. I'm, I'm visiting her. And as Stevens yeah. trying to find out what the hell is going on, he heads on the bus. And on the bus, he sees Arthur. And he's like, no, like he's real? And, but it's and jump in time, right? Like, it's like I a just, time jump. It's another one of those flashes to where it's like he goes from being on the elevator to boom, then he's on the bus. Right, right, right. And so we don't know what happened because it's like he's on the elevator at night and then he's back on the bus and that's more in the day. So, yeah. again, it's like you're there's another flash of time. What the hell happened? What went down? All of a sudden he sees Arthur and it's like, no, I thought that was a dream. I actually was in this place with this crazy dude chasing me and this golden thing flying or what what was going on? Blood. And he. So he runs off the bus back to the museum. Feels like, okay, this is a safe place for me. And he goes to talk with his buddy, JB, the guard. He says, hey, look, you know, I'm being followed. There's a guy that's going to be coming in here. You got to stop him. I love the security guard. He's like, dude, it's a museum. Anybody can walk in here. He's like, no, like, no, dude, I can't. I'm not going to do that. The guard is like so lazy. He's like, I don't, you're crazy, man. I don't give a shit, you know? Um, Right away as Steven's freaking out You know you get back into work And everything that's going on in your life It's like they don't care 
you get back to work. It's like, dude, <laughs> take these downstairs. Do your job, man. You know, because everybody's got their own stuff going on. And you get back to work and they're not even thinking about that. Steven could be being chased and somebody could be trying to murder him or, you know, all, all the all the stuff that he's been through. He just has to go right back downstairs and uh, and help Donna. And he I mean, he's freaking out, though. He sees Arthur now in the museum and Donna just doesn't care. Just take these downstairs. I don't care. You're still on inventory tonight. And um, he he then actually has an interaction here with Arthur in the museum, TK, as Arthur's trying to figure out what's happening. He said, I, you know, I assumed Stephen Grant was an alias. Imagine my surprise to find you here. <laughs> yeah, right. So he doesn't know what's going on. A lot of us don't. He thought he thought this guy was Mark. Now he hears him saying Stephen. He's talking with an accent. He and as Stephen feels good. He's like, okay, I'm at work now. At least these people are around me. He he calls another guard over here. He says, look, Ronnie, this guy has been following me. But Ronnie is actually part of the group. He's part of Arthur's group. He is one of the worshipers of Amit. It's sort of like a Hydra thing. You know, it's like they've infiltrated all these different levels. We're going to find that some of the cops in a little bit are also in the group with Arthur. They're all part of this group that wants to reincarnate Amit. So anywhere you look, Steven doesn't know who he can trust now. Right. Because these are people that don't really want what's good. They want what Arthur wants. They want to bring Amit back. Now he also has nobody else too. That's the other thing. Like nobody to turn to. He he can't trust institutions because they could be all infiltrated. And then anybody else that he could turn to, like in here, he's going to his work friend who thinks his name is Scotty. That tells you everything you need to know right there. Like he's got nobody. So that he's he's on an island right now. There's there's no support system. Arthur tries to, or Arthur starts to tell us a little bit about who he is and what his motivations are. He says, uh, the scarab doesn't belong to me. It belongs to her. Do you know Amit? And Stevens just, his responses to Arthur, who's trying to be really serious, are just hilarious. You know, uh, do I know Amit? No, not personally. Uh, Egyptian deity, right? Uh, world's first boogeyman? <laughs> Arthur says she was the boogeyman for evildoers. She grew weary of having to wait for sinners to commit their crime before punishing them. Would you wait to weed a garden till after the roses were dead? Steven says, I wouldn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's just so like funny. Every little like matter of fact response of his, um, Arthur says that the justice of Amit surveys the whole of our lives. Got it. (laughs) Past, present, future. (laughs) She knows what we've done and what we will do. Steven goes, oh, great. Well, okay. The books must've left that part out. (laughs) As uh, Arthur continues on Consider this Had Amit been free She would have prevented Hitler And the destruction he wrought Nero, the Armenian genocide uh, Paul Putt And Stephen goes, not nice people <laughs> uh, Arthur continues on By indolent fellow gods By even her own avatar And this made me good He goes, avatars, blue people Love that film Yes <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Me too. Uh, the line delivery was just perfect, and uh, I, I don't know. Something about that line just read true. <laughs> yeah, this back and forth really popped me a lot. As uh, 
And then um, Arthur says, by Avatar, what I mean, he says, you mean the am- anime? Like like the last airbender. Um, so he's really just leading into the uh, the pop culture stuff here. And Arthur's getting frustrated. You know, he's getting annoyed now. He says, it's maddening, isn't it? That voice in your head, it's relentless. It's forever unsatisfied. No matter how hard you try to please it, it devours you until there's nothing left but a hollow shell. And the more you ask for help, the more you begin to sound like the boy who cried wolf. And Stephen is just scared. I can't help you. And he, you know, he says to Arthur as he looks at him, I saw you kill that woman in the Alps. Arthur says, I only told her what millions more will soon learn. So he's got obviously a plan to a Thanos type plan, right? Mm-hmm. Rid the world of everyone that's evil or all the uh, all the bad people. Get rid of half of them. Keep only the good people. But I'm going to be the one and me and Ahmed are going to be the one to determine who's good and bad. You know, this is going to be better for everyone. Our plan, eliminate eliminate all the, the people who will do bad at any point. He even tells Steven, there's chaos in you. And he well, he puts, tries to read him there, right? He yeah. tries to read his, uh, his soul or whatever. So he puts the cane, right? He puts the cane between his hands, and the tattoo of the scales on his arm moves, just like back. we saw before. Yeah. So Arthur... It's red or, red or uh, green, right? So mm-hmm. that's the chaos, I guess. We I love that as a theme throughout the whole the whole series. Like um, I mentioned earlier on that scene with Donna and the, the camera and... That that was, I think, just cluing us in onto the the idea that you know he's got chaos in him in his life in like every capacity, every sense of that word. So Stephen runs off. Arthur says to let him go, and Stephen heads back to the gift shop. He's doing inventory, and things get a little spooky. The lights go out, and he hears it sounds like a dog squealing. So he goes to investigate. Like, hello, Donna, JB, somebody got a pet in the museum. He's whistling, looking around for the dog. Where are you, you little bugger? And and then here comes Arthur. And what's pretty creepy about this is we we find out after because we see it. Arthur has basically released a jackal to come after Steven. Steven's being chased by this crazy beast. First, he sees the huge shadow, and it's this big monster. Arthur says, Stephen Grant of the gift shop, give me the scarab, and you won't be torn apart. And this beast, this jackal, chases after Stephen, who then runs into the bathroom. He's running throughout the museum, and this monster is just crazy-looking beast. And as Stephen is in the bathroom, and he, he looks in the mirror, Mark starts talking to him. Steven, Steven, I can save us, but I can't have you fighting me this time. You need to give me control. You understand? He's like, what? Who? What the hell? This thing is about to break through. We're out of time. Listen to me. Steven doesn't even want to believe this. He says, you're not real. I'm not real. This isn't real. No, no, none of this is real. Mark says, you're going to give me control. This is the only way. Steven says, no, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. No, I can't. What? What's going on? He's like freaking out. And Mark says, you're not going to die. Let me save us. You can kind of see Steven give in for a moment. And we get just a little brief view of Moon Knight at the end of this episode. Not a whole lot of him actually pop up in the suit, in the real suit, not the Colonel Sanders suit. And uh, 
it, I thought he looks great. I thought he looks really yeah. good. And it was like a perfect little taste. They gave you just a little teaser. Would I have liked to see some more of Moon Knight in episode one? Sure. But knowing that we are going to get more in episode two and moving forward, I thought it was really well. It was really good. And I like this episode, TK. I've watched it, I think, three times now. Yeah. But after having watched episode two a couple times and then going back and watching episode one, I like it even more. Yeah, same. Um, this was perfect for me. I, I really loved the way they introduced the character. I love how they saved it till right at the end. We just got that glimpse, but it was just enough. I mean, every bit of it was cool, the way that the, the character Moon Knight turns with those glowing eyes right towards the camera at the end after just beasting that uh, that jackal, that Egyptian jackal there, that hell beast. Uh, it was it was awesome. I love the stoic heroism of Mark and how we got glimpses and like teases of his character. And then we finally got a, that revelation at the end and that conversation in the mirror and the way they shot that was incredible. But Oscar I- Isaac's performance is just outstanding. And we, we've talked in the past about Willem Dafoe and how he does those great monologues with himself. You know, he's playing opposite himself. There's Examples of that in in, uh, in history with, with with films and actors, you know, doing great things with that. But this, again, just adds to the pantheon of those performances. And uh, it all comes together. The lighting, the editing, the music choices, not just the um, not just the soundtrack, uh, but but the actual music cues, the, the songs that they chose, uh, I think were brilliant. Uh, it was funny. It was engaging. Steven is uh, a, a sweetheart. Like you, you, you want to root for this character mm-hmm. and then you want to find out more about this like intriguing hero that lies within him. And what's the deal with Moon Knight? How does this work? How does it tie into the mythology? Like they've set all this up in such a great way. And then the way that they carry it forward in, in episode two is uh, just outstanding. I think they, they were shooting for prestige TV. They hit the nail on the head here. They hit the bullseye. Uh, and I was reminded of those early days of the Netflix Marvel shows where yep. I was just super high on what they could do with and it was uh, new, show. right? And it was new and fresh. It's and, like the and, beginning of Daredevil. Yeah, you know? it has a tone too where I, I feel like the timing was great for them to drop all those series onto Disney Plus. They kept, they didn't censor them despite uh, there being some censorship stuff recently that seemed to be a mistake. Disney, Disney, uh, put that out there that they they they're not forcing the censorship on it on any uh series or anything like that which is great they didn't cut anything out of those netflix series uh and then this moon Knight series fits in i think perfectly with those series and the new disney plus generation of marvel series so they're doing a great job just shepherding this these ips and introducing a whole new world a whole new layer of storytelling to this world that i think is just going to enrich it so much more i think tying into characters like ghost rider blade um there's a midnight suns group a team up that seems to be um maybe either in the works or at least there's a demand for it so i think there's a lot of really cool things that they could do with these characters and uh that's that's far in, in advance this series alone has enough great stuff going on with ethan hawk's character um layla in the second episode uh, I'm really excited to see where we're going with this. We are going into uh, episode two, and we'll jump right on into episode two. 
We got the previously on And uh, we got the uh, the little intro And right off the bat we kind of pick up Hearing Moon Knight Kind of finishing off the jackal yeah. Kind of like hear the little Tidbits of it And then Steven gets up out of bed No 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 he falls right on his face I think that's going to be something that we see With him like every episode right the we, we get the the fall right on the face Like right on the jaw uh, Like we got in episode one so I wouldn't be shocked If that's something we get in every episode once or twice Where he trips right on his face <laughs> And uh, he, he looks at himself In the mirror He's like he's looking for Mark Like what happened you know it's like He wakes up and he just never knows if what just happened was real was it a dream Did this actually happen he starts to look For kind of clues around And he goes to work He wants to check the security footage He asks the the guard hey JB Um you know He looks around work and There's obviously a big ruckus there Yeah what happened they're saying burst Pipes but it didn't look like that to me Has anyone seen the security footage Steven asks so they Go to look at the security footage JB says don't let Donna let You know I'm into, into this area And Steven's like prepping him it, it would be like Me telling you okay dude Look what's about to happen right now You know like you tell you're telling one of your friends Something yeah. and you're getting them so like You're pumping this thing up right Dude I'm yeah. telling you this was the cool Like dude this was the hottest girl I've ever seen In my entire <laughs> life you know what I mean like I'm telling you I swear she's like the so and she was all over me dude You know what I mean and she was just, like you're, you're You're bragging sort of about something that's kind of What he's doing here and then they go To look at the footage and it's nothing Yeah it's like Mark just by himself <laughs> And the, the, the security guards Like dude what like Uh dude it's just It's just you and he says, is that you, Scotty? You know, and he says, uh, how long am I supposed to be waiting? And they keep switching angles. You know, the, the buildup, though, is so funny. He goes, dude, it's like Area 51, M16 bonkers, man. It's crazy. It's just nuts. It's all this. And then just nothing. No, no, nothing. It's just Steven running around like a crazy person. Yeah. And then the revelation that, uh, oh, Steven is the one that messed up the loose. Yeah. Yep, but there is one thing that's kind of important Is then when they're watching the footage At the very end Steven can see himself on the camera Walk up and like look at the camera And he notices That's not me That was Mark Just like the body language The way that he was walking Like the way he was carrying himself He could tell it wasn't him He's not that confident of a person He's the total opposite And uh Meme now. I, I saw somebody posted uh, screenshots from probably like four or five different Marvel movies where the characters are just standing in the center of the frame, looking up at a security camera from the from the <laughs> angle of the security camera, <laughs> giving that same kind of a look to that, like a knowing, like angry kind of a look. Uh, so it's great. Wanda came to mind. I think Winter Soldier was another. Yeah, there's a cool line that the security guard has here. He says. Um, Steven says I swear to god there was a dog Chasing me like a big hound or And he says hound of the Baskervilles Was it which is Kind of a fun story Because it was a story I believe uh, The premise is about A family that's about to Inherit a bunch of money and so they Create this like scary Beast in, to try To scare people and and it, it just, The story becomes like bigger than its own It's kind of a fun old school horror Story and and so they're leaning into it here is sort of like is Steven making this all up? Um, 
I, I thought that was a cool line He says it was a jackal An Egyptian jackal And the guy's like oh yeah okay it was a jackal I've heard it all now <laughs> So The next scene we see Steven talking With one of the security guards In an office and the security guard says Hey the, the museum has no wish to press charges But Mr. Grant we've spoken to your colleagues It's been a bit of a struggle For you recently So he hands him a pamphlet so this particular group of doctors has a long-standing relationship with us. He, he wants to get the guy help. He said, I can arrange an appointment. And Stephen looks at the brochure. He says, it actually looks quite posh. Looks like they're very good listeners, right? And the guy, uh, security guard, says back to him, or the, the HR person, I guess, says, I know this is classic HR to say, but you're not alone. And Stephen says, well, that's part of the problem, isn't it? <laughs> You know, kind of joking that, uh, yeah, you know, he's not alone. There's a voice talking to him. There's a, another alter ego that he has. He's got like four or five, like we said, maybe nine voices in his head. Who the hell knows how many? But he, and it's sad he, because he is alone too. Like on that is. other, like so he needs to hear that on one level. But yeah, that is the problem that he's not alone. It's because he's got all those voices in his head. And the uh, only I, people so, that he interacts with here are the only people that we see him interact with are at work, and now he's gone. Right. Yeah. So he's cut off even more so from everybody. Uh, and I was just going to say this uh, HR person could be involved um, with Arthur. Like, he it could feels be, like you know. another one that infiltrated it. Right. Is that part of the 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 place you get? You bring people into this place and then they you can brainwash them the doctors, you know, like, like doctors. a cult. Yeah. Are they part of the cult? So, yeah, we just we just don't everywhere we look, we don't know who we can trust. So as he leaves, it's always sad when they make you – he had to give away his name tag too, right? It's like, oh, and maybe that's symbolic that he's not Steven, right? This is Mark, that Steven's the alter ego, so he's given away the Steven name, and he's back on the phone. Um, I actually know this is where he's back in the courtyard. He's talking with the mime street performer again. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. I got the sack. I don't blame him. I'm a vandal. I should have been arrested. I, I did find things hidden in my flat. I swear, I'm not joking. That's worth exploring, isn't it? Like, if I could find that storage locker, maybe my one chance to prove to myself that I'm not mad. Oh, okay. He, so he's like, the talking to him, the talking to himself or to yeah. these people or the fish and stuff. It actually does help him, yeah. right? It helps us too, as the audience. Like, we we get an insight into what's going again, on. It, with- it, it helps me. Honestly, the the reason why I do a lot of what I do is because of that. Like, anytime that I go to bed on a race. If mm-hmm. I've talked it out before, I'm a lot more confident. I, I like understand what I'm going to do before I go to bed it or a game, right? If I'm going to go bet a game or play a game. And it's the same thing here. The reason why what every time I get out of one of our recordings and our conversations, so much make, uh, makes more sense to me. Yeah, I'm just like, ah, yeah, that makes sense. There were a couple things that I might have not been thinking at that you point me. And then it just like it all comes together. And so it is cool to see him alone. Piecing things together okay Let's go find that storage locker and maybe That's where what can help next So he shows up at a storage Unit and he tells the man Like this is like the fifth place I've been to I'm looking for My storage locker I thought this was so funny He's, It's under Stephen Grant If it's not under Stephen Grant it might Be under Mark I don't have a Surname <laughs> just Mark I know it's weird <laughs> Yeah He's it uh, doing it like, over and over Too so it's he must, like, yeah, he must have said that five times. You know, this is the fifth time he's done the same spiel. And yeah. the guy's like, No, I know you. He said, I never forget a face. Number 43. 
<laughs> which is, I think, a, a nod to one of the the important comics there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so you can actually scan when he gets to number 43 storage. There have yeah. been in episode one and in episode two now, there's a QR code on yeah. the storage and you can scan it. And it ha- it has like a link that takes you to another one of the important comics where yeah. Moon Knight showed up and like another one. I think in the first two, it's like where Moon Knight showed up and another one where Moon Knight played a pivotal role. So I, yeah. I'd imagine there'll be one of these QR codes that pop up all throughout and they kind of take you on a little a little trail if you want to dive deeper into them, which I love that they do this stuff. Yeah. For us shows for fans and they, they build them that way. They build them for the fans and that's good. That attention to detail shows in in a lot of the and a lot of what what they do beyond you know just the obvious stuff in the set design so he walks inside the storage unit have you seen the show you on netflix no i'm familiar with it uh okay it's 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 it's, i love it i freaking love it it's one of those that i watched in just like hours it's fantastic Mm -hmm. and it's very bingy and there's there's a scene or the the guy has a storage unit very similar to this where it's like he's got an inside the storage unit. There's like a con- a big container where he can keep people that he captures, but it's like very well like kept up. And it sort of reminds me exactly like this inner part of the storage unit here. And Steven's like, what the hell? He starts to look. There's a, a bed container like bags with stuff in it he starts going through the bags there's a gun there's money different kinds of money there's a passport with the name mark specter on it and then there's a scarab which he thought was it from a dream he pulls it out it starts to fly all around he's oh my god it's real it's totally real oh my i'd say you were a compass but you're not pointing north and as he's starting to get real like freaked out Mark tries to console him. Steven, I need you to listen to me very carefully. And what we're realizing now is they the ref, we're seeing them now more in reflections. Where uh, reflections are coming to mind with a window or a glass or anywhere where they can see themselves in a mirror, they're able it's you, the two Mark and Stevens are able to interact with each other more. It's like when they they can see each other, there's like a I, it's really difficult to figure out right now the control between these two, right? Who's in control? Why does why is one able to take control over the other? What happens? How does it happen? Is there some? And like I said, this has all changed recently. Has there been some shift in the multiverse recently that caused this mm-hmm. to be different? You know, um, if you think about like the timeline where we are with the blip a few years after that, as has there been things going on that have made this guy off and made things different? Because Mark. Was the Moon Knight character and seemed to be pretty in control of of things, and now it's sort of flipped. And now Steven's the guy who's in control, and and Mark can't really break out of there. So I'm I'm fascinated by the dynamic here, which they're purposefully giving us little by little, right? We're gonna find out more and more as we go along. Yeah, and I think they that it's brilliant they did this. It, it's flipping the uh, expectations for fans who know Moon Knight as primarily Mark Specter. Um, and for, fre- for people who are fresh to it, you know, we're just, we're just, you know, going in fresh, not knowing anything about it. So it's kind of mind blowing to, to discover that Mark might be the real 
Steven, uh, so to speak. Uh, it's, it's kind of weird to say it like that, but like, who is the original uh, personality within this, you know, human form here? Who's the host? Mark, right? or yeah. was it Steven? And then who, yeah, who's the host? Who's the parasite? Because remember, Kanshu referred to Steven as, I think, a parasite or something mm-hmm. or, or in the previous episode. So, yeah, that whole dynamic, like you said, is just really rich and, and fun to, to experience. And it adds a layer of mystery to uh, everything going on. So we're, we're able to both um, pick up right in the middle of action. So we're not having to go through uh, like a slug of a, like an origin story. But we're also able to introduce the characters in a fresh way to the audience because of this whole, uh, you know, you can call it a trope of like, you know, missing time and and multiple personalities. Uh, That is a tool that they're using for the for for this story. And they're they're using it quite well. (laughs) Steven goes, uh, Mark. Oh, hello, man in the mirror. I was wondering if you'd pop up again. (laughs) He's like, uh. So, like, what am I? Uh, am I meant to be some sort of mad secret agent or something? <laughs> and Mark's tried to explain it to him. It's a little more complicated than that. You're in danger, and I can save us just like I did last night, but I can't have you interfering in what I have left to do. So this is what's going to happen, Stephen. You're going to lay back down on that cot. You're going to take a nice nap. It's like, what? Take a nap? I'm never going to sleep again. You hear me? <laughs> he goes, look, I don't care how bloody handsome you are. Which was one of my favorite lines of the whole show Because it's like, it's the same dude He's looking at himself in the mirror <laughs> It's like, um, you know, is it, was it Austin Powers? I can't remember, is it, it's Austin Powers when he sees like the clone of himself You know, in Austin Powers too. He goes, oh, look at you, oh, behave, you are quite dashing you know, It's just great, you know, as um, Mark and Steven this is some of my favorite part of the show Just the top, the back and forth Between the two of them Yeah, the Because this is All of us If you're And, and pe- there are people with Like this is a show that's actually Tackling mental health And some people have Incredible struggles that they Deal with but I think every one of us No matter how strong We may think we are mentally we, how many inner voices do you have in your head? I got a bunch that battle me back and forth. Do this, do that, don't do that. Right? We all are are talking with different versions of ourselves throughout. So it to me, this just comes off so real when you're, you know, yeah. you're. I do it all day long. Like I literally talk to myself three or four times throughout the day, where I'm like, okay, you're doing this, or check that out, you know, or like you say something out loud, and then you kind of maybe saying it out loud sparks something different, and I it. You hit the word too A lot of this came off like genuine And real which is what we want When you're you're dealing with Crazy superhero Characters Egyptian History all this stuff you got to be Grounded and this character Steven is Very grounded yeah it's a Heightened reality but they have Made it human and they have uh, They have grounded the reality uh, To this heightened world So it, it's a it's a A, a tight Rope uh, walk a little bit you know what I mean It's a high wire act uh, To pull this thing off where you have This you know outrageous uh, You know kind of illogical Things going on these uh, Otherworldly things but also You're making it relatable and you're making it very Human and that's what Marvel tries to Do and when Marvel's great It's it's doing that very well So Steven just continues To freak out he uh, 
says, tell me who, what this is and tell me who you are. Mark explains, I serve Khonshu. I'm his avatar, which means you are too, sort of. We protect the vulnerable and we deliver Khonshu's justice to those who hurt them. He says, yeah, Khonshu, the Egyptian god of the moon. He, Stephen freaks out. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I eat one piece of steak and then and then bam, I go bonkers. Like he thinks the steak did this to him. But that's a total vegan response, right? It's like the taking a bite of meat would just make you go crazy, you know? And just they think that they're just like a holier. I, it's so funny. We all do, right? Oh my god, what did I eat? What did I drink? It was something weird that did this to me. Um as uh he said he made the deal with Conshu. I need to go to the hospital. Um Steven thinks he's you know going nuts. Mark says, look, the deal is contingent on you not interfering, Stephen. Now give me the body. Let me finish this, and you'll never hear from me again. And the way he said it was exactly how Conchu had said it to Stephen earlier. Give Mark the body. Uh. He said, give me the body. And uh, Stephen says, Mark, how about this for a deal? I'm going to take this bag full of illegal shit, and I'm going to go straight to the authorities. And they're going to put me away so I don't hurt anyone else. And hopefully NHS will fill me with enough pills so that you get out of my head. (laughs) And as he walks out of the storage unit, the lights begin to flicker. And now we get the real view of that big, scary monster, Conchu, chasing him. This was this was creepy. It it sort of reminds me of like the book, like. Like or like where the wild things are, mm. you know. Like the this is this creature that you're like, he's terrifying, but he's sort of captivating at the same time. Like you're like enamored by him. It's it's like um, you know, there's something under my bed. You know, one of those books where you see these these creatures. This the kid or goes into a world of these magical sort of mystical. It, it, it it's dark, but there was something so mysterious and almost like weirdly kind of beautiful about this. Creepy creature I'm, I'm fascinated By Conchu and every look that we We get from him in this episode Tim Whether it be running whether it be Like when he's just perched Up on the mm. top of roofs and Ceilings and he's kind of he's got his like Staff there like death You know he's yeah. kind of like holding he, it He seems to kind of transcend time and space You know he can be around every corner he's talking to you From above and then he's right behind you uh, I, I love that aspect of it. And then, again, we get this great hallway sequence that harkens back to the one in the first episode where, he's, you know, Stephen's just kind of being stalked by this otherworldly, supernatural, demonic presence uh, of Khonshu. So we could see that, you know, this is not somebody to be toyed with. It, it, it's, it's a dangerous presence. It's not something that's necessarily going to be entirely benevolent. Might be ambiguity to this character. We see that through and through that he's he's abrasive, he's uncaring, he's willing to to kill humans. Um, he doesn't seem to have a whole lot of empathy. Uh, so you know, to say this character is good or evil, uh, you know, it's hard to call them good. At least let's just say that at this point. But maybe lesser of two evils or better than uh, yeah, Amit, uh, from what yeah. we understand now. That's probably the better way of putting it. The lesser of two evils at the moment. Conshu screams give it back you fool And as Steven runs outside He actually runs right into Layla who had been calling him Now you're like What he just ran into her accidentally Well no she was tracking his phone So that that's why she knew 
in the vicinity of where he was So he runs right out He knocks into her She says Mark where have you been He doesn't really know who it is He assumes that this is Layla the woman who was calling him But Because remember this is Steven Mark is the one who knows Layla He jumps on the back of her bike And she asks him Is this Steven the latest fake identity for you So mm-hmm. We are like hmm Then she says I figured you were using a coded message When we spoke on the phone I tracked your phone I thought you wanted me to do that when you turned it on So pretty quickly We realized okay She understands a little bit of this Yeah they're partners Yeah and they were married They were in this together They were a couple And I like it's, It's really convoluted and it's really layered You know because it's one of those things where What's the 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 most true form of love kind of being selfless right and mm-hmm. all of what mark's doing here is is that he's doing mm-hmm. this so that way she doesn't have to be the next avatar for conchu we're going to find out shortly that that's why mark continues to be moon knight and continues to be the avatar for conchu so that way layla won't get stuck doing it and it's right. this weird spider-man peter parker selfless Right you just want him to tell her You just are like just tell her But he knows if he tells her it's going to be Unsafe for her she could get Killed the same thing how Peter Thinks with with MJ Yeah and it's even worse In this case because it's like she's Being directly threatened with That that life you know And the burden of carrying On the the moon Knight mantle And whatever that means whatever those responsibilities Are of of being the avatar and, and serving Khonshu. Uh It's more than just like being adjacent to, to that. And like the, you know, being exposed to the fallout of that. It's like, you're going to carry all that weight. Uh, and he knows exactly what that means because he's been carrying that weight. Um, so I love this uh, sequence here too. It's, it's, it's logical. It makes perfect sense. Like mm-hmm. the way they explain it how she there makes perfect sense. Oh yeah. Track the phone. Perfect. And I love the way it plays out with these little, um, you know, context uh, clues of what their relationship is together, uh, that, that they're married and how that gets re- revealed to him and how it starts with him grabbing her shoulders. And she's like, what, what, what is your deal? Like, and she's confused why he's still staying in character. In character. Like, she's that. like, look, it's me. You can drop this. You don't have to pretend like you're someone else, you know. Yeah, so we know that he's alone in this like new aspect of of his um like the, this new burden that he's carrying. Like she was working with him on the scarab stuff and all these adventures and got to be high stakes stuff, but she's totally out of the loop in regards to like uh, what's going on right now with the multiple personalities and with the the Kanchu threat. It seems like she probably has no idea that Kanchu's threatening her in the way that uh, he is. And she even has a, an important little line here. She said, I just kept thinking he's got the suit. He's fine. Then mm-hmm. I thought, well, what if he gets ambushed when he's not wearing it? And what if he doesn't have it? And Steven's sort of confused. It, he doesn't like even know how to hang. You said he's, he's like grabbing her shoulder. He doesn't even know how to hang on on the bike. You got to hang around on the waist, right? You can't hold on the shoulders while she's trying to turn. You got to be around the waist. And uh, he's... <laughs> Layla asked do you see the spiral you put me through It's not okay I'm still Your wife by the way This would be a great time for you to say something He's just really confused he doesn't know What to say sorry did you say Wife we are married 
She goes, yeah, drop the act. I'm sure we lost whoever was chasing you. It's like, look, it's not an act. That's how I talk. She says, just get, get off the bike. He's trying to explain it to her. He says, look, will you just get me to my flat? It's funny because that's a word that, you know, we wouldn't say in America. Right. <laughs> Nobody would say, take me to my flat. So she's looking at him like, what? He said, yeah. just get me home. Yeah, which I thought was just a really funny way of saying Because I was like, yeah, nobody would say flat You'd say, take me to my apartment, take me to my place We're going home, you know And So they arrive at his place And they're back at his, at Steven's And Mark is talking to Steven She shouldn't be here Get, in, get her out of here, Steven You're way out of your depth And he, uh, she asks, this is your flat He says, I'm, I'm Steven, I'm not Mark She's she looks around, she's like, are you living here with someone else? This doesn't look like your place She's sort of, I don't know if jealous But thinking, she's his wife She hasn't heard from this guy in months She understands that they're going through Crazy stuff, but now She's like, why are you doing this to me? Mm. Okay, you want to get a divorce? That's fine, like She doesn't realize that what he's doing is for Her own good She thinks like anyone That's being ignored, she feels like he's Trying to get rid of her yeah, and I think we can we can kind of assume that Mark is just not telling her everything and kind of absolutely it on the chin of like I'm gonna be the asshole here mm-hmm. and make her think that I'm a jerk so she stays She'll, away. So she hates me. Yeah, he's, so fine, he's fine with on another with, level in that sense. He he's the guy who who can say I don't love you, right? Right. Even though he doesn't, even though he loves her more than anything in the world, he can say that to her. He can he can be Toby. In Spider-Man, you know, even though we know he loves her Because he knows that that's what's best for her Just having to say those words And she's looking around the apartment And she starts to recite a poem And then he starts to recite a poem And he says, wee wee, she's my favorite poet Layla's like, uh, no, she's mine That's so funny, I love that moment right there Yeah Like, that's mental (laughs) Yeah, that's mental Um so and it and it's probably because like he's remember he's got memories that are seeping through yeah. from no he probably knows this that it's her favorite and that's probably why he it's his favorite because it's hers you know and yeah. he she mentions you're learning French and hieroglyphics and he's like, oh yeah no, that's not really that impressive you know like he's trying to like oh you know it's not like hieroglyphics are a whole language so he thinks you know he. <laughs> He's really impressed, you know, he's about to start bragging He says, you know, it's more like an, an alphabet You know, you, you still have to know ancient Egypt to read it You know, for example, this right here She knows exactly what he's pointing to It's like, ah, oh, this is this is very similar to the When he was about to show the security guard the footage And he's like pumping him all up Like, you know, he's all excited yeah. Because he feels like this is going to be his moment to shine And like, she knows Yeah, exactly <laughs> She's smarter than him and um Says somebody knows their unilaterals And They have like a moment or two Where that's kind of like okay And then she just says no look I'm not buying this mark Use, use whatever accent you want Let's just get this over with You sent these papers but you never signed them So she pulls out the divorce papers You know she's getting frustrated Because she thinks this is an act She's like what yeah. is he doing Is he literally pretending to have an accent To get me to get out of here He's like acting insane But he's confused he doesn't know what's going on. He looks at the papers. Divorce? I would never divorce you. It's so it's so like 
uh, it's whiplash for him. It's emotional whiplash. He keeps getting these like relationships that he's just diving into with no context. You know, mm-hmm. the, the girl at at his work. And then all of a sudden, like, fast forward to the end, like to the bad part. Like, he never gets to enjoy the good part. Like, he's, he's just getting hang up on. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, I, I have a new girlfriend. OK, cool. And I'm dumped. There's like, oh, I have a wife and, and a beautiful, and cool <laughs> wife divorced. I would never divorce you. He's just getting used to the idea that he had a wife. And now he's now he's got a divorce here. It's crazy. And he says, look, you seem absolutely lovely. This mark, on the other hand. Is a right twit yeah And Mark actually in the background You can see yeah. his face He sort of like Kind of nods He's yeah. like yeah you know I am I, I am that The guy that's in clothing. this situation Having to divorce this incredible woman And So Mark tries to Interrupt St- Stephen Because Stephen's about to tell her He's like look I feel bad this woman loves me I'm going to tell her what's going on I don't want her Suffering anymore so he's about to Tell her here look here's the scarab But Mark is interrupting Him he said look don't do This you're making a mistake Stop what you're doing don't show Her because you're going to get her killed So if you show her that scarab You're responsible when they come after her He kind of Stops tracks right there mm -hmm. It does stop him He thinks about it but he Does end up Kind of inadvertently showing her She finds it in the bag She says the scarab pointing to Amit Ushabi what we fought side for side For uh, side by side for This whole one man show is just so you can Keep that for yourself she's furious she Said stop I'm supposed to believe Anything you say with what is shoved in a gym Bag you know take it He tells her take it I'm not Mark Specter I'm Stephen Grant I work in a Gift shop and I think I'm in real danger. And I think maybe you may be the only person that can help me. Please. He's pleading with her. He's begging her. This finally starts to get through to her a little bit. Because you really don't remember why we've been looking for this. Our adventures. Our life together. He doesn't. He says, oh God, I wish I could. So this feels like a big breakthrough moment. Because 30 seconds later, she's getting ready to walk out. And not help him and like we've seen He needs help he has nowhere to go Nobody to talk to no one around To help him he doesn't even know If he's going crazy or not The only person that seems to have any answers To any of the questions at all is this Layla Person Yeah it's a tough spot to be in Right right now Uh, and that's what makes it So fascinating just like Everything is through his eyes We're all first person character right So we are kind of we're like incoherent along with him For a lot of this I think was so bro- brilliant in, in the choice to Absolutely. make Steven The main protagonist in this in this series uh, You know like I'm Going in fresh so it, it didn't Surprise me that much but I did have Like I mentioned like a, a A little bit of connection to the character and that I knew Of the name Mark Spector so uh, Like maybe I, I was Cued in a little bit on that that, that this was a, a flipping of expectations But still it was very cool to, uh, to to kind of experience it in, in this way because we're so it, it adds that layer of mystery all throughout. You know, we could just see fo- you know follow the story in chronological order, understand everything, but it's it's a little bit more fun to be in the dark and to get, learn these things a little bit piecemeal. You mentioned Lost before. Lost was kind of magic with doing that. They kind of fell off. In a way, some people would say because maybe they set up these mysteries and didn't have the payoffs planned. 
but I'm hoping they have something here with given the, uh, the short uh, length of these series that they have, you know, the full arc planned out and ready to go. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with all these little mysteries and uh, already so far, the way that they've, you know, crafted this, this uh, journey for us has been quite enjoyable. So we get a knock on the door. It's a couple of detectives, Stephen Grant. Can we have a word? He's all scared. Oh, look, they've come for me. He's, and Layla says, why? He says, I vandalized the toilet. <laughs> so they keep knocking and the detectives come in. Layla goes to hide and they're DC Fitzgerald and DC Kennedy. Um, which are, I think, uh, nods to uh, John F. Kennedy, JFK. So the names just kind of sound made up, you know. Right. And and you can tell afterwards when you watch it back that they don't look at all like detectives. You know, they just seem like a couple of random people. They're doing their best. They're sort of acting like it, but they they look around. Uh, he doesn't really want to let him in, but they they do push their way in. Is, is anybody else here with you? No, just me and my fish. And Steven asks, is this about the toilet? Because it's been dealt with and I've been sacked. And I have a sleeping disorder. And the museum said they wouldn't press charges as long as I, as I do it in installments. Yeah. And the detectives are just kind of looking around. And while they're looking around, Layla is outside on the roof hiding. And they can't, they don't find her, but they do find a little like paperweight from the gift shop, a little, pyra- uh, little pyramid. And they continue to look through his stuff. They find the passport that says Mark Spector And uh, he says oh that's not me So they call him a, a thief With a fake passport And they want to bring him in They don't say where They just say they want to bring him in And uh, in the car The detectives are finding out more information On their computers about Mark They realize he's a full blown international fugitive Mark Spector was part of a team of mercenaries That hit a dig site in Egypt Here's what they did to the archaeologist Zip tied and shot in the back of the head Execution style mm. He's denying it Look it wasn't me That's not me And then Remember, the car stops Arthur called him a mercenary first when, it, when he first saw him He did you're absolutely right And we knew that Arthur knew who he was mm-hmm. Arthur recognized him And Arthur has said When he showed it back up at the museum Oh so you really do believe this Stephen Grant thing I thought that was an alias yeah. Kind of like Layla Layla and Arthur They're sort of waiting for For Mark to just drop the whole Steven act yeah. They don't realize he's actually It's split right now It's a lie Yeah 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 Or is so, it a lie you know It's know. not a lie <laughs> So Mark is Right now Steven is sitting in a, in the car And the car stops And it's not at the at the police station He even asks I thought we were going to the station they say, no, nah, sit tight, and they both get out of the car. And he sees a woman right outside in the street, and he's trying to ask, hey, look, here, can you help me? I've been kidnapped. He looks over, and she's got the tattoo on her wrist. Mm-hmm. And that's the sign for him. He can notice now these that all of these people that are in this cult, they've all got the tattoos on their wrist, sort of mm-hmm. one of their, uh, their giveaways. And at this point, Stephen... Is trying to stop Mark Mark wants to come out He says you don't need to find me, fight me Steven Surrender control And they're battling Steven says no I saw what you did to those people I'm never giving you control again Ever Do you hear me <laughs> So he's flustered He's in the back of this car 
He thought it was cops He's being kidnapped The only way that he can get out of this Is if he gives into his alter ego Who's apparently a murderer <laughs> He He's so lost He's so confused He doesn't know where to go Nobody can help him And now here's Arthur He takes Stephen out of the car Says I hear you loud and clear Stephen granted the gift shop I'm sorry for the wait We just needed a chance to better understand your situation Let's get you out of those cuffs And then basically walks him around Their little community And and he's kind of giving him a tour He says no wonder your scales don't balance It must be difficult having all those voices Inside one head Stephen Grant, Mark Spector, Khonshu Said do you think that Khonshu chose you As his avatar because your mind would be So easy to break or because it was Broken already Throwing shade Oh, right. And Stephen (laughs) says no For all of his struggles And for as As You know as self-deprecating as he is Through a lot of this He says no I'm not broken Right away Just need some help maybe Arthur says that's where I'm here to help And Stephen can see Conchu Again right there Arthur can't But Arthur can tell that Stephen can He says you can see him huh You see him right now He says what's he saying Is he telling you to kill me And he is Conchu says kill him Break his windpipe Kill him so we wonder in just the little tidbits and the context clues they've given us so far. They said that Conchu only kills or only wants to kill people who have done bad, right? Mm. So Arthur must have done some bad. Arthur isn't someone who is as self-righteous as he maybe pretends to be. And that mm. that to me is just the the sense that I'm getting. I'm getting that they were like two partners to where Conchu would sort of empower Arthur And then Arthur would go off on the rails And do and like do things His own way and then Conchu Finally said okay screw it I'm going to take the power Away from you and you're not going to have the power Anymore and that's what Arthur got Frustrated by he went to find Amit so he Could be the the avatar that's what I'm thinking We're going But we get a good amount of exposition Here Tim from Arthur he basically Takes Steven around from the communal And he explains his way Of life and their way of life Says just remember you don't have to do everything he asks Before you get excited and put on the cape I want to take this opportunity to show you around This neighborhood used to have the highest crime rate in all the city Suffering, pain It was heartbreaking And as he walks around he's like Hey everybody how you doing You know like he's shaking their hands And giving them a hug And oh look at those beautiful tomatoes over there You know like he's like just Yeah It's Utopia Yeah Welcome to Yeah and He says um, People don't lock their doors at night anymore They feel safe People don't want to hear good news though They'd rather cling to their fear They'd rather cling to their pain They all speak multiple languages They all teach each other different things And this is when we see um, When we see Our guy just sort of perched up Mm -hmm. And, And Conchu looks so Awesome I love what the way that he it's like a gargoyle up on the top, you know, um of the of the the ceilings and the roofs of this the these buildings where they're walking around and and we see him now. It's like right out before. Before we would get little flashes of Conchu or little moments, but now he'll just be sitting right there. Yeah. Sort of it's like we're seeing him in the light of day a little bit more. He's mm-hmm. less now he's a little bit less mysterious and it's almost like when you see the wizard up like behind the curtain. Yes. And, yes. And I love that 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 happens in this moment because it's it's kind of this role reversal where 
we're we're seeing Arthur's character and wondering, yeah, is he actually maybe good? Or have we been following? Like, Conscious does seem kind of like a dick. He's te- he's saying kill him. He's you know he's been haunting our guy this whole, this whole time. Like maybe maybe this Arthur guy's like got something to say here. But you know we're also we we've seen this before. Anytime there's a utopia, there's like a sinister underbelly to it, and things mm-hmm. are good to be true, right? But uh, I, I love how it happens in this moment where now as the audience, we're questioning, you know, wait, well, who is the good guy here? Maybe yep. maybe the guys who we thought were bad are the good guys and vice versa. Yep. And have you seen the show on Netflix, Big Mouth, with Nick Kroll? Yes, yes I've seen a little. I don't know this that monster this, kind of reminds me of those monsters. Like the, you know, like the... They, the, they just the, made a spinoff of that about just the monsters that okay. I think they just popped it on Netflix. That's funny because... I was thinking about it. it. It's sort of like a ca- a cartoony comedy version of like their what the, what they like their, their horny mod or their um right you know their their their, their co like their alter egos the ones that follow them around or and like it it reminds me sort of of like the the way that this that Conchu looks a little bit and yeah he just you know so Steven's probably confused because you know you're looking and you're following this guy around and it's like. Oh, I guess this isn't that bad, right? They got a like a little town here. All these people seem to like the guy. They're growing tomatoes. He walks into a big room and he's talk he, he cooked a bunch of lentil soup for everyone inside of this room which sort of looks like the like the kitchen and kind of communal area. There's TVs and a big projector. People are listening to music, watching stuff. It it feels kind of normal. Yeah, and Arthur said he cooked the the soup, the lentil soup himself. Yeah, another uh, guy's recipe. So he's like giving credit to the guys. It seems like a very like they're sharing in the work. They're they're sharing in the responsibilities and and the uh, the accolades. Yeah, he says so Victor. He Victor, healthy. he's from the Yucatan. He's very funny. You know, it's just sure. like little little tidbits. Yeah. And he says, "I know being on the right side of things is important to you." Conchu always tries to ensnare those with a strong moral conscience. Mm-hmm. And then Conchu will interrupt, you have no conscience. <laughs> and Arthur can sense that Conchu's talking. He says, you don't have to listen to him. He throws temper tantrums like a two-year-old. None of the gods respect him. Perhaps that's why he's banished. But Conchu jumps back in. I only punish those who have already done harm. I am real justice. Arthur laughs. What's he saying now? I am real justice And Steven's like can you You can hear him right because he Arthur's like literally repeating exactly what Conchu had just said he says no I can't Anymore I was his former avatar Before you I was the fist of vengeance I'm not the fist of And and, uh, Steven says "Mm, I'm not the fist Of anything that's the little American man Living inside of me (laughs) Um He does the fisting. He does the. He fisted me. Mark <laughs> fisted me. Oh wait, no. Stri- strike that. Reverse it. You know. Uh, clear that from the record. Arthur says. So that that's Mark. And uh, even little things like Stephen's polite. He's oh the soup. It's lovely. It's very good. You know. He just gives him a compliment on the soup. As Arthur really starts to explain his purpose now, he says Conchu punishes those who have already walked an evil path. His retribution comes too late. By the time his fist of vengeance arrives, people have already suffered. Amit knows this too well. She tears evil up from the root, casting her judgment before any evil's done. That's why we must resurrect her. 
But Steven's got a problem with this right away I think most people would be able to sniff out the problem But that's a bit dodgy He says like trusting the judgment of a weird crocodile lady (laughs) And you know Arthur tries to explain more Amit will light the path to good by eradicating the choice of evil Which brings us to the scarab And as soon as Arthur mentions the scarab Everybody else in the room gets up And they start like walking towards Steven Sort of like a zombie mob Almost like they're possessed Just kind of like coming at him Slowly Arthur says while the cruel masses Deserve to face her judgment In the wake of their screams Evil eradicated But to exist at that moment Steven will be heaven On earth So they want to create this utopia They think that they're going to create this heaven on earth Where all the people who are evil Or all the people who will be evil uh, Amit will remove And it, it is a very like Thanos sort of It's a very evil villain way of thinking Right? Hey, we're just going to get rid of the bad people And that'll be fine We're not the bad people Like they're bad They've done bad stuff Screw them, they can die And it's that free will versus destiny thing All over again that we saw You know, in Loki uh, with the TVA, this is and Cap. We're not uh, in the business of trading North. lives. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Way back there, you know. Yeah. So it's good. I love, I love this because it's it is such a real like a moral thing. It reminds me, you know, what I was watching recently before I went to go see Batman. I did like a, a rewatch of all the old Batmans. It reminds me of that scene on the bat on the in Batman where you've got the two boats. Yeah. And the, one of them is yeah. the criminals. And the other one's the regular people, and they got to figure out if one wants to blow the other one up. You know, it's that setup. They're that. on the boat, and it's like, hey, well, they're just a bunch of criminals. They're murderers and rapists. Like, let's just kill them. But then that's the point you think. I think of this nowadays a lot, man, because I try, like, I look at myself in the mirror and I want to be a good person. And so I, I think a lot of the time, like, what I'm doing is good. But then I feel like sometimes I become kind of preachy. In like holier than now and I'm like Am I doing the same thing that I don't like Other people doing it's very Strange right you, I look at people I go oh well I'm doing what's right so For me what I'm saying matters more It's I, I love it's like a Fascinating dynamic here with With you know the good Versus bad because like we always Talk about with these evil villains They think they're the good guy Right you, you yeah. think what, what you're Doing yeah. is for good yeah, it's it's perspective thing for them, and those are the best villains. Like we talked about, like that they have a, uh, 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 they have a logic behind what they're what they're you know, it's, they have a motivation. For it's very what, um. What was the, what was the group in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier with the flag bearers? Yeah, right. It's very like it's 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 tough because they they seem to have a pretty righteous. Reasoning and purpose right But then it, it, it's always about going too far With it that that's where all of These people and these evil villains get Themselves in trouble right someone Like Zemo is even Rooted in like His revenge makes a lot of sense his Family got taken from him but the guy Goes too far you know and that's Always where we are with these villains in that Hell We saw it with Spider-Man right now mm-hmm. Spider-Man any of Any of the Spideys when they lost Uncle Ben or Aunt May or MJ, that could have been their heel turn. 
right? right? That could have been the moment where they turned the bad guy because that's the moment that we see people have their villain origin story. Why did they turn bad? That's Mr. Freeze and Batman right there, you know, but they didn't give in. And that's the difference. They didn't give in. Whereas someone like Arthur here, he sort of got scorned and he's kind of giving in. He wants to eradicate everyone that they think are evil. And Stephen and Mark now are, uh, are are starting to to go back and forth. Mark says, "Don't do it. Don't tell them about Leia. About Layla. Don't give her name up." And and Stephen's kind of trying to power through this. He doesn't want Mark to come out. Arthur actually asks, "Can I speak with Mark?" He says, "Mark, what did Conchu promise you? That this is your last mission. That you're going to be free. Trust me when I tell you, Conchu is a liar. There's always one last thing. It's like the mob." Hmm. And he knows, Arthur knows He knows everything that that Stephen is seeing and thinking Before it happens Which makes Stephen even Crazy, like It makes Stephen not sure who to believe In this situation Because Arthur's literally telling you Everything that's about to happen before it happens He's in this nice sort of area He doesn't seem like he's all that evil of a guy But Where the conversation starts to go Is what really, I think, uh Really concerned Steven Says, the devil so, Details right? right like Yeah he's right Like Arthur is right in like His general Thinking and per- and like purpose And his motivations but It's like how, how are you carrying those Out like what does that look like We saw him basically turn an Old woman into a prune uh, And fall dead on the floor like We know just looking at That that that's wrong there's something wrong About that and so uh, I think this just speaks to, um, you know, kind of that's that great power, great responsibility dynamic. And it, it's it, it extends into real life. It's like governments. What, what are they doing with the power uh, when when they when a government wants to enact an initiative like they might be in the right or they might be motivated by something that is righteous. But like, what does it look like when they carry out their directives? Like, are, are we creating you know, something that's, you know, incredibly immoral and un- unethical are recreating tragedies, yep. uh, you know, inadvertently by by trying to do what we think is righteous. And and that's what Stephen is trying to get the point. That's the point he's trying to get across to Arthur yeah. says if Amit judges people pre evil before the fact, isn't she judging an innocent person? I mean, a thought yeah. can't be evil, can it? I think about killing my boss all the time, but I wouldn't actually do it. What about a child? Would she kill a child for something they might do in 30 years? Maybe Hitler. And this is where uh, Arthur stops him. And he says, I'm glad you mentioned that. Sometimes the cure is a little taste of the disease. The difference between medicine and poison sometimes is only dosage. Consider a diseased limb. Amputation, horrific and grotesque, is necessary for the larger health. Stephen's like, no, dude. A child is not a diseased limb So He he looks around he goes so All of you you're all into Like killing children In that maybe it's just me But that's kind of where I draw the line at Child murder (laughs) And Arthur starts to uh, Show or he Starts to show Stephen his Cane he says do you know what this is He goes yeah it's a cane (laughs) I just I laughed at that. It's 
<laughs> this is another one where it's like, yes, it's a it's, cane. It's sincerely. <laughs> and, and he says, this is Amit's first gift to her avatar. It contains a tiny sliver of her power. I don't want to use it. I don't. And Stephen starts to, to back up. He says, well, don't use it. I can't help you. But Arthur's convinced. You know where the scarab is. Where is the scarab? Where is the scarab? Things are starting to get a little bit intense. And then Layla pops in. She says, I have it. And Arthur questions if she understands how powerful the uh, the thing she's holding is. Le- let me have that. I'll keep it safe. Now Khonshu pops up. There's no deal on this, Mark. Fix this. Fix this. So Layla looks over to Steven. And she says, summon the suit. <laughs> and Steve is like, what? What are you, what are you talking about? And she says, summon the suit. And he goes, summon the soup? What are you, what are you saying? He's confused. And she's, this is like, um, this is like a Hulk up, right? Mm. This is like when, uh, when Nat or, uh, or anyone's like, okay, come on, green guy. Get the big yeah. man out here. Let's go, go Hulk, you know, come on Hulk And he's like trying to do it and he won't And Steven's like confused What do you mean? She goes, the suit, summon it He goes, the suit? And it's just just like Abbott and Costello almost Back and forth where he has no idea What the hell she's talking about And uh, she yeah, gives him this Remember what he did as Moon Knight Like he wasn't privy to what we saw No up the jackal. He just saw the jackal chasing him And then they yeah. you know, blacked out so, like, the suit, had, there's no context for the suit for him right now, which is important. Summon the suit is just great. That's one of those, like, that'll be one of those, um, you know, for years to come, one of those ones that you remember in, in the MCU, just that funny little summon the suit line. I wouldn't be shocked if we get that in a few years when Moon Knight yeah. is next to Thor or whoever he's next to, right? They're going to be like, summon the suit. Summon the suit. Like, it'll be someone else that's saying it. It just feels like a line that we could go back to because it's it's great. It's a funny one. And Steven, now now things really start to pick up because the Arthur is using the cane. He's chanting these incantations and we get a crack in the floor and we get the, all that purple coloring TK that we've seen from like WandaVision that we've seen in Doctor Strange in What If that sort of leads us to when I think purple now I'm thinking like cracks in the universe in the multiverse and yeah and basically we get you know up from the floor a demon it's a like a jackal and pretty cool in between here we get Layla kicking some ass which really impresses Steven and oh, I, I, I had one point I wanted to make about please, that. Please, uh, some losers online uh, that were um, getting kind of down on this series. Like, that, have you heard the have you heard the phrase M she you? For some of these like incels online, some of these guys, uh, they're kind of all right dorks. Yeah, they're, that's that. Uh, and I get like their criticisms and to to an extent, but they're like obsessed with this idea. That the MCU is being taken over by woke feminist politics and stuff like that. So they were like so up in arms about uh, in the trailer, I guess they showed her kicking a little bit of ass here, Layla. And I feel like it's totally earned within the way that they introduced her character. Absolutely. She's uh, right on a bike and we know that she's been in this this world. world. Yeah. So it's like, you know, 
it's one of those things where you just suspend your disbelief a little bit that this woman could, you know, kick kick ass. Uh, I buy it. There's way more outrageous things that happen in the MCU than a woman kicking ass. I, I Literally can, the Shang-Chi arrow. I mean, seen. there's like 50 yeah. things that we can think of right off the top. Kate Bishop quarter flipping. You know what I mean? Like some of those things that just seem a lot more ridiculous than, than this and, woman and being that, an ass kicker. I'll defend that because that was like a, a part lucky shot. Like she and wasn't they showed it, the progression, and they, right? And they showed that she couldn't yeah. do it twice in a row. Like I – so I – I agree. I don't think there's anything to get gr- That's just the freaking every, people wanting to be anti. Like this is cool. I like this. And I just think those guys are dorks. They should stay in Austin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. America. America. Right. There's it's a like, lot of guys that that are out there. There's a couple, a few of them. They took to our jobs, you know. I feel like it's, <laughs> South Park does a good job with them. Um, <laughs> so Layla kicks some ass. The floor's opening up, and Steven has a line that's just straight out of, like, it's like a Tony Stark line or one that we would have heard in Spider-Man. He goes, oh, my God, I'm going to die in an evil magician's man cave. <laughs> it just just pops me there. It made me really laugh as uh, Layla's trying to explain everything to Steven. She says, look, your name's Mark. There's a suit. I've seen you use it. You bring it out. He's like, what? What are you talking? Like, huh? She goes, we need you to fight. Come on, we need you. Where are you? And Mark's like, Stephen, let me in. He's trying to to get control over the body. Stephen won't do it. She said, I can't. Stop. Please, no. Layla's like convincing him. Your name isn't Stephen. Your name is Mark. Let Mark in. And Mark's screaming, let me in. Let me in, Stephen. Stephen's screaming. It would mix. It is a little sad because it's like if you think about People that have struggles like this And all the voices that they might be hearing In their head like this is like a scene you see People in depicted In mental institutions Where they're like no no get out of my head Stop stop it's, that's like, I wonder exactly. what it's really like Like I, yeah. if there that ever plays Out in the way that it, you know We kind of experience it on this On this show the way that like Maybe see things in reflections Or or do you, do you ever If you're in that if you have that um, affliction, do you ever feel like you're literally trapped inside and you're trying to to uh, get out of there? Yeah, like that's one thing that like uh, boggles my mind to think about. And I don't. It's, it sounds this is really awful. It's not a sense of comparison because I don't know. But the only thing that I can compare this to is the times in my life that I've done like serious drugs when I was younger, and you don't, and you're not in control, right? Like this to me, it feels like a bad mushroom trip. You know, like something where you like things are happening and you don't you can't control it. You're hearing voices, you're seeing things, your mind can even make things happen. You know, mm-hmm. you just don't want to go in a bad place. And and for me, that was one of the reasons why I only probably between a handful of times ever in my day took mushrooms because I would start to get, you know, the bad thoughts creep in. That's why for me, one of the best combinations, TK, if you're gonna be doing the we're we're on the drug talk now. If you're gonna be doing the or if you're gonna be doing the mushrooms, you wanna throw the uh the uh the Molly in there because at least you feel good about it when you're doing them. And then the bad thoughts don't if you flip it. Then the bad thoughts don't come in too much. But that is uh you make sure you've got an entire night planned if that's gonna be the case, and you got a couple people to watch you and babysit and that you got nowhere to go the next day because that hippie flip is woo. Yeah, it takes me sitter. Yeah. 
takes me right back to being like 19, 20 years old. But that's, that's, I can't, that's the only thing that I can relate it to myself, right? And that how scary it is when you're in a moment where you're like, wow, I don't, I'm not in control right now. Yeah, that's, that's hard to, to imagine. It's, it's really hard to imagine two, two minds in one. Like that's something I can't, I can't really relate to Cause you know, I can relate to the idea of having two different opinions at the same time, not being able to decide between things. So on that level I can, but it always but feels two like it's separate people, right? Like this is two separate lives, all these different memories and thoughts and everything created, like coming together and what is, what, what does Mark know? And what does Steven know? Right. And I think we're going to find when things all come together, it's going to be that's what this show is a lot about is is realizing that the two of Steven and Mark are going to need each other. The, yeah. the the two parts of this one are needed to become the per, the most perfect version of them of the one Moon Knight. You know, broken. Mark we we heard may, he may be broken, so maybe he needs to be made whole with the yep. you know the two parts yep. come come together. So Steven <laughs> sees a jackal yeah. and uh okay so first up he tries to he's like cowering in fear he's like curling up into a little ball layla is trying to give him the pep talk you can do this i promise you can do this and he he just won't he's scared she's okay we'll find another way come on let's go uh jackal chasing them all around and mm-hmm. then here comes Konshu and he says summon the suit and that sort of scares steven he falls out a window, and as he's falling, Conchu is screaming at him to summon the suit. So Stephen, just in the nick of time, is able to summon the suit, but Stephen summons it, not Mark. And when he lands, he lands like a poser, you know, in the uh, in the pose. But then he lands, but then he sort of like falls over. It collapses afterwards. Like, painful, like just, just great. Really great moment, I gotta say that that pose to collapse moment like uh, stood out to me. It's gonna be again. I always talk about this, but like one of those like moments that would just want to think about this. I'll think about that moment just seared into my brain. Me too. It's just it was it for a moment that is one million percent contrived. Well, for everything we know about this Steven character, it felt natural. Yeah, it, it was did. like honestly felt natural and cool. Uh, yeah, never it was like the say, moment that oh, this guy would try oh, to. Would feel like he was the coolest Something dorky would happen to him to make him look Not cool <laughs> yeah. And I think it's also like I didn't get the sense Necessarily that he was trying to, no. to Trying to be cool but just that he was like Trying to stop himself and it looked cool for a split Second and then like, he collapsed just, that, yeah. there, It had just the right timing And, and mm-hmm. sense of reality and, and like Marvel gets criticized uh, And by me I'll criticize him for this sometimes For being too for, cute sometimes right Yeah undercutting their their Stuff when they could be sincere This felt like a good compromise On that where it, it's it a good moment for it Cutting everything it just felt like it was adding a layer Of realism to it yeah so He lands And he's in The superhero landing pose And he's got the suit on And the mask but this is not The full Moon Knight like we saw with the cape that looks like a real superhero. This is what I believe is called Mr. Knight. Yeah. And, and so this is when Steven tries to summon the suit. This is to him what the suit would be. And yeah. we got these really funny back and forth from, from Mark now. And 
yeah. he, he looked like Stephen looks at himself in the mirror, and Mark says, "Oh God, what the hell are we wearing?" <laughs> Stephen says, "I don't know." She said, "I needed a suit." He goes, "Yeah, the ceremonial armor from Conchu's temple, temple, not Psycho Colonel Sanders." <laughs> Stephen's like, "I don't know how any of this shit works, man," but I. I do look sharp though. Okay. You know, he's like looking at himself and uh Mark says, Okay, like where's the scarab? Uh-oh. They realize, uh-oh, they don't got it. And now Steven's like it's like when uh Iron Man or anyone puts on the armor or their suit for the first time, he's like, What are these poles for? You know, he's figuring things out all over the place and okay, I like this. This is pretty cool. Uh Layla is like, What the hell? This isn't Look normal like this isn't what I saw Last time She goes you look different He's like yeah And he's all kind of excited He starts fighting the jackal And watching him fight It's so funny because Nobody can see them Unless they are Some of the avatars So he it looks like he's fighting An invisible person He's just like swinging wildly and flailing all about He looks like he's absolutely nuts And the the scene where he you know he's he's talking to himself and setting it up like he's boxing he's like okay you know come on man i see you i it, you know he's finally like okay i can do this he's trying to pump himself up now okay i got a fight coming okay tk i'm going to fight i see you you plug ugly coyote you're in the wrong ends mate you're in my yard now yeah come on come on come on come on Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. He's bobbing, he's weaving. Yeah, my name Stephen with the V. Oh yeah, oh yeah. it was great, man. It was yeah. funny. He sold it, man. I, I like Oscar Isaac is that dude, man. He has skills. He can. He has so much range that he is able to display here. Uh, everything just very subtle British humor stuff to just loud, like big, funny, silly stuff. To, to horror uh, and to like stoic heroism like he packs it all into you know like basically 30 minutes of, of uh, screen time it's it's tremendous and the writing's great the execution I love the old ladies who are kind of commentating like she think that this guy's just had one too many to drink or something just having a seizure in the middle of the uh, the street what do they say now nah, look at him he's just a fancy drunk yeah <laughs> it's the, the tone of it's great because they're building this tension they're they're revealing things about the character they're underpinning it all with great humor that doesn't betray the realism of the scene in any way so it's a it's a great balancing act and and uh again they're it's just carrying that level of quality from the first episode all the way through this one so he takes a big swing blindly and he connects and he punches the jackal he's so pleased with himself i did it He's like, look, did you see what I did? Did you see what I did? Okay, okay. And then, boom, the thing just comes right back at him. It's like, yeah, you punched this thing one time. You know? <laughs> There's, You got a little bit more to go, bro. Uh, but hilarious. It did feel kind of like, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, I think Gilgamesh in Eternals with that one punch power. Yep. Yes. Also, like that punch man, that anime guy. It did. Uh, so I, I expected, you know, I just as as an audience member that that was, that was the end of it, too. That, so that was it. Was nice yeah, little... he might have been done. But as soon as he lets his guard down, here comes that jackal one more time. Mark, though, can sense that Steven's struggling, and Mark knows. Hey, look, he even tries to compliment him. That was a hell of a punch back there. I love that, right? That's how he gets him. That's how he gets him, plays the ego. He says, but look, someone's going to get hurt if you don't let me help you. 
And Steven kind of looks around And he says okay do it Take control for now And he uh, Layla He looks around and Layla Says get out of here and there they go So this is pretty badass The Moon Knight Leads the Jackal on a chase Mark as uh, the Moon Knight In his awesome Moon Knight gear And this really does look Super Batman-y you know it's across the rooftops Here he's kind of baiting the jackal Getting him to follow him Yeah. And then as the jackal Sort of leaps off Of a, a rooftop He impales him On this oh, so Like st- statue It's really cool And the jackal like turns to dust And just disintegrates And then yeah. what I loved was right after Just the, the way that the suit releases Immediately right Mm. back like the Iron Man suit Kind of and just boom He's right Mm -hmm. back into the normal form But this is Mark This isn't Steven Because we can tell because he's kind of Looking around and he realizes he dropped the scarab Yeah And Arthur has it Arthur's got it A a random person sort of found it on the floor And Arthur Picks it up and or Arthur says Hey I can offer you food I can offer you clothing but I am unable to offer you this That belongs to me And so he takes the scarab from the person's hands And he says I wish you could live To see the world we make And he just kills them He uses that power that's been bestowed To him by Amit to just Do away with this person Which this is where we're, we can Now think and be led That Arthur's bad because We didn't see the judgment Yeah he just judged for himself He was like he oh you're a homeless so you must have done something wrong Yeah I this mean, is not really. You're not the end all be all Amit's the one that's supposed to judge Not you Arthur So he is someone who takes power into his own hands And this next part I thought was really scary um, Just mm-hmm. hearing Mark and Steven talking to each other Because Steven right. is now trapped And he asks Mark So this is what it's like being on the inside Yeah right. it's horrible um, I feel like I can scarcely move And Mark tells him it's alright Just breathe through it It gets easier How long have you been doing this I don't know a long time Steven says I don't like it And Mark yeah. just repeats Long time Nah Steven says I don't want it Can I have my body back Mark says I can't do that right now Steven Steven begs please I'm taking it back Now he tries to take over but Mark explains, hey, you know, we've always managed to keep a wall between us, but something has changed. The one who controls the body has become stronger. And I'm really curious what to me. You know, that was one mm-hmm. of the things. What what changed to trigger this now? Yeah. As Mark continues to explain some really important stuff here. The reflections help, but most of the time it'll take all of your willpower just to be a fly on the wall. Mm. Steven's like pleading with him You can't do this keep me trapped in here You have no right my whole life I can't go on a bloody date I can barely keep a goldfish alive I lost my job it's been you It's always been you eating away At parts of my life like a parasite But Mark Mark tells him look When I'm done when I've repaired my debt I swear to you You will never see me or hear from me again And I promise you We wouldn't be alive if it weren't For Khonshu my servitude is the price that I pay That's important information yeah. 
Because we wondered why Why would you keep doing this What's the relationship with Khonshu But apparently I'm sure we'll find out more about it But it seems like Khonshu saved Mark If it was a Mm -hmm. Cured an illness Brought him back to life And what's sort of fascinating about of, of, Of what we're realizing is Khonshu's kind of got Mark by the balls Because of Layla yeah, you know that's that's the the way that he keeps him motivated in saying, okay, you don't want to do another job for me. That's fine. I'll just go get Layla, and I'll go infiltrate her. And so he will continue to do the billing of Conshu because at at least that means Layla gets to live her life. Yeah, it's the ultimate sacrifice. You know, he does not want to do this anymore. You know. Uh, like, like he was having that conversation with Arthur earlier about like, oh, there's always just, just one more. We know that, that, um, Mark and or Steven, they, they want to end this relationship with Kanchu. Steven wants nothing to do with Kanchu, but we're, we're clued in that Mark, uh, wants out. But as, as long as he knows that, um, Layla is next, you know, he can never get out. So that's just going to last forever. Whether or not that's a bluff or not that Kanchu's just using to manipulate, I don't know if that makes much of a difference, honestly, of whether Kanchu's good or bad. Uh, but, you know, that might be something that could just be a bluff. Uh, and we don't know. He, he's just keeping uh, Mark on the hook for as long as he can. Uh, it could turn out that Kanchu, though, is is good after all. And in some way was just keeping Mark there and, and using that to, to manipulate him. Um, but ultimately for the greater good time will tell. Steven asked what kind of servitude and Mark's response, the, t- the kind that leaves me covered in blood. Mm. Steven says, well, yeah, that blood is on my hands. You ruin people's lives. Everything you touch, you ruin, you hurt people. You abandon your wife. You left her stranded. Mark tries to explain, Hey, look like that's the one that bothers him. As soon as he mentions the wife Because it's like hey look you don't know the story You don't know what I'm doing here Everything I am doing is for her I'm protecting her Khonshu has his eyes on her He wants her as my replacement I'm never going to let that happen Steven doesn't believe him You're a liar I don't believe you I don't trust you You hurt people Says no I'm never letting him near her Steven's fighting with Mark now I won't let you hurt anyone again I will never give you a moment of peace I promise But Mark kicks the mirror reflection Shut up, you shut up, and now rage inside. Right, see it there, like you just yeah. kick it once. He smashes it and just stomps on that thing. And now he's having to deal with all these voices again. Is Conshu shows back up, and he's sitting on the rooftop. He says you sh- you swore he would not interfere. Mark says I know. I'm I'm gonna handle this. Conshu says you have proven you cannot. Mark says I got it. Don't I will I will do this. Conshu doesn't think so. Ungrateful Mark altering the terms of our agreement You were nothing more than a corpse When I found you Hmm. You think you own this body It belongs to me Mark continues to convince him He he made a deal Says look we'll find the scarab And Conchu says no it's too late Harrow already has it But Mark is adamant we will find another way We'll get to Amit's tomb first I thought the next line was really interesting Because you know you have Conchu saying ungrateful Mark altering the terms of our agreement. It didn't seem like they they had a relationship that was good. It sort of seemed like professional, like a mm-hmm. a mentor or a teacher with a student, but one that you don't like, a coach to a a pupil, you know. Then he says Conchu says to Mark, 
You know I'll protect you with everything I have. You are worth protecting. Hmm. Yeah. That one felt the that one stood out to me because that line said a lot more personally than I think everything we kind of saw for the first two episodes from Conchu, where he was an ass, he was demanding, he was in charge, he was controlling, he was scary, he was creepy, he was awful to Steven and calling him an idiot. But here he says. I'll protect you with everything I have because you are worth protecting. The relationship between Mark and Conchu is one that I'm really interested in in diving more into. And of course, I'm we're gonna find out more about that. They're not dropping these clues and hints for us to never revisit that. But it is I'm there's a lot. And as we, you know, we're basically to the end of this episode. We have a few more lines, but I am really pumped where we're heading. I'm it, it sort of feels to me like not that I was none of the shows that we watched were bad at all. They've all been just different levels of good or entertaining. But this one is is so new and fresh and interesting that I'm really like I'm really excited because I don't know where we're going. I really don't have much of a clue at all. But I, we can get mm-hmm. the ideas and and we get the sense of what's happening. But this is uh this is something that I you know I thought Conchu was an evil guy and now he's telling Mark, he wants to protect him, and Mark says, "I'll do whatever it takes," and then you let me go. And Conchu says, "But I know you enjoy the work I have for you. We need each other." Mark, now he does the he he takes the role of reminding Conchu about the deal. We have a deal, mm. and uh, as Conchu said, "Let me remind you: should we part, you may not like my next candidate near and dear as she is to you." So another there threat. Right, yeah. another threat. Just hey, okay, that's fine. Our deal is over, but I'm gonna go get Layla, and then right. I'm gonna be controlling Layla, and then her life's gonna be ruined. So that's fine. It's you or Layla, and it's sort of a, it's like the kind of thing that you hear about a really unhealthy relationship. You know that yeah. someone's that what like a guy that's like abusive to the girl. They'll build, build her up, tear her down, build her mm-hmm. up, tear her down, like. That exactly. type of thing, yeah. Exactly. Dynamic. Hey, okay, you know what? You can, you can go, but you know, if you do, you're not gonna have any money. I got all the money. Where did, what are you gonna do? You're gonna go get a job. You're gonna go work. You're gonna pay for stuff. You're gonna go get a house and a car and all of those things. No, you depend on me. You know, it's, it's sort of that type of thing. And that's you won't like, you won't like it when I go date your sister. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Oh, how about your friend? Uh, you know, Amy over there. She was flirty with me. You, you're done with me I'll, You know it's just the, the threats There as Mark mm-hmm. asks Where are we going And Conchu responds where the hell do you think And then boom we get a flash And Mark wakes up in A room maybe a hotel room Just it looks like a room where We see the, uh, the window opening And he's in Egypt Right outside of the pyramids Business to handle For Mark and for Conchu Steven trapped inside Trying to bust out Who knows what's going on with Layla Uh, Who knows if Arthur is going to be able To beat them there man lots of questions To ask I'm really excited I'm really pumped and They've they've hit and they've Done another great job I don't like saying hit a Home run until it's over but For two episodes so far and how They had to present these new Characters try to get us invested Try to get us to care I care a lot I'm really yeah. interested right now in what's going on with Steven, with Mark. I want to see and they've they've given us just 
just a, like enough of Moon Knight to where it's like I want some more injected into my veins right now. I want to see this guy out there kicking some ass on the streets. We've only gotten a little bit of it. We got a little bit more in episode two. Episode one, we got seconds, just seconds of it at the end. So yeah, I think we'll get more moving forward. And um, I'm I'm very pleased with what we've seen through two TK. Absolutely, and I, I like I keep going back to these moments. We had a lot of great moments, action moments. Uh, and the second one, beyond just superhero specific stuff, like that chase down the hill in episode one, um, it, the, the actual superhero stuff at the end of this episode on the rooftops, when he jumped off and turned back to slice the uh, the the jackal and then impaled him on the roof. Again, that's one of those iconic moments that's burned into my brain. It looked so cool on the screen. It was so well done. They pulled it off. Uh, and this is a show that I think if it had no MCU connection, if it was just what it was, um, you know, with the actors involved, uh, I would be all over it still. Uh, I don't know that. I this is a show that I'm totally I'm going to I've told my friends because that like the Marvel stuff. But I have a few of them that are like, it's too much for me. Right. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to watch a movie and then feel like I have to watch the three other ones. This is a great entrance show for people mm-hmm. Who don't feel like they have to know everything that's gone on in the MCU right now You can start this show with just these first two episodes And you will know as much as me and Tim know about this show Yeah Right now Yeah like, that's You don't not have a bad to have a bunch too. of prerequisites for this class, right? right. And we, we love the connections to, to, to the Marvel stuff That's not like a, a bad thing But like we it need, there needs to be a basis of like a reality and story that you're buying into separate from all that. And then the connection is the, is what's kind of like the icing on the cake. You have to care about what the, the characters that are connecting into it for it to feel cool that, Oh my God, these characters I love yeah. over here are connecting with these characters that I love over here. That's, that's fun. If you don't care about one of the two, it's, it, it's meaningless to you. It's not uh, because so this is, they're connected to the character, right? We we're supposed to love them first, and then the connection yeah. is like, oh wait, they know each other. That's so yeah. cool, you know. It's not. Oh, that's just meaningless. Yeah, you don't just shoehorn them in as like, uh, oh, we're supposed to care about them because they're that person's significant other, or that they're they're going to interact with this person. No, make us care first, and then everything yeah. else will be easy. As soon as it's you just care like guardian people. Exactly. It's it's like Guardians, like how it's separate from the uh, MCU, but it fits in well and it adds a new layer uh, to the whole story. And then when you do see, you know, uh, Pratt Chris Pratt Thor. star connecting <laughs> with Thor, it was fine because you, oh, you've, you've grown to them both separately. And now they're, you know, you, you knew they were part of the same world, but now you're seeing them interact and affect one another. And that there's a novelty to that that, you know, can't be replicated. But it's essential that you have those first stories. You know, if Guardians of the Galaxy was a flop, if it if it was received like Eternals, I don't I don't know that the MCU looks like it does right now. So it's essential that that they did what they did with with this series and connected on that level and and hit this out of the ballpark uh, because they exactly what you said about your friends. There there's fatigue, there's overwhelm, uh, the things that work in the favor of you know the big the big universe the shared universe the mcu is also a, a, there's a downside to that it's a double-edged sword uh it starts to become unwieldy you know the larger your sword if you think about it, it becomes it's harder to swing uh and that's kind of what the mcu is going through right now i mean it'll 
it when when you swing it right, it smashes. But you know, it's it's if they, you miss with that thing, uh, it's there's a lot of momentum behind that, and there's a lot of uh, fallout. You know, and and uh, and I think that it, it, we're at a crucial point right now where we've already eclipsed the main MCU. We've already gone through the main phases of like what launched the MCU and what was the MCU's bread and butter. And now we've planted a lot of seeds and they're starting to sprout again. And this is one of the newer seeds that uh, I think is going to be a linchpin moving forward, um, tying everything together because it's just so good, so rich, and it introduces so much backstory and so much lore that uh, it's going to be a lot to work with moving forward. The next month is going to be a ton of fun because there are six episodes of Moon Knight. We've gotten through the first two. So each of the next weeks, uh, we'll have one episode a week that leads us right into the last uh, episode, I think is uh, episode six, which is on May the 4th. And then May the 6th is Doctor Strange. Um, Doctor Strange is released. So we'll have Moon Knight for the next uh, four weeks, leading us right into Doctor Strange. Lots to discuss on That's What G Said in the MCU, in the Marvel Universe. And every time we're talking MCU, our good friend TK, Tim Kelly, is going to be here with us. Uh, Buddy, thank you so much. We covered a lot of ground today. But from now on, the next few weeks, we'll only have one episode uh, to jump into. But it was, I will say, the times that we've had two episodes, mm-hmm. and I think I did this with one of the Star Wars shows that I uh, I did too. It is a lot. Mm-hmm. It's nice going the week to week, but I think when something mm-hmm. is so new, having two to look at to talk about, give like you you feel a little bit more like you understand what's going on through the two episodes. Now week to yeah. week, we have a much better idea of who Steven and who Mark is, and some of the and some of the stuff. But after week one, I think I learned a lot in episode two. That I was able to go back and like, okay, make sense of episode one more. So I was sort of glad it kind of accidentally worked out this way, but I think it worked out pretty well because now we uh we're a third of the way through and we've got episode three. It's pretty crazy. Next week we'll already be halfway home. That's wild, yeah. And I like it. I like these six episode runs, uh, short and sweet. Uh, you can pack a lot in there and keep the pace going nicely, but it's still long enough to. Really explore themes and get to know characters So I, I love it It's it's in keeping with like the, the British model And premium TV model So I think that the more um, MCU can stick to that uh, The more it serves them and their, and their greater uh, plans I look forward to uh, seeing Where episode, episode 3 is going to take us Next week Moon Knight is where we'll be For the next month or so Each and every week right here on that's what G said with Tim Kelly. Hope uh, the uh, hope your son and uh, your significant other are doing well, and you have a fantastic rest of your weekend, buddy. And uh, we'll chat next week. Looking forward to it. Make sure to give Tim a follow at Tim is not funny on Twitter and on Instagram. Check out the music project Ice Cream Fire anywhere you download your music. There, they've got some fantastic stuff. Jackie is a really good singer, and I've uh, I've seen them perform live a few times. Really good stuff. So go download that. Go check it out. And my friend, I will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Thank you. Don't go anywhere, folks. Lots to discuss here on That's What G Said. Thanks to TK for helping us out. It's fun to be back in the MCU. So we've got Moon Knight episode recaps coming up over the next 
three weeks, episode three, I guess four, episode three, four, five, and six, as there are four more that remain, and that'll lead us right into Doctor Strange, which comes out in less than a month, and uh, TK and I are already making some plans to hopefully go see that on uh, opening day or in one of the first few days, and then we'll be able to uh, dive into it and recap for you right here on That's What G Said Podcast. Thanks to Dave for helping us out previewing the NBA play-in games. Good luck to those Timberwolves, Dave. A huge weekend of sports just wrapped up, and it just continues on as we head into the NBA play-in games. Baseball now underway, rocking and rolling, and we get closer and closer to the Kentucky Derby. So later this week, we'll have horse racing action for you. We'll uh, talk racing for Friday, Saturday for Keeneland, and for Santa Anita, and uh, we'll get into NBA playoff preview with Eric. We'll take a look at what all the series matchups look like. We'll dive into this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. And uh, we're sort of going to be kind of falling back into that normal rotation now where we'll always have wrestling, uh, NBA throughout the playoffs there. I'll have different baseball guests uh, checking in and we'll always be you know, checking in on what's going on and diving into the baseball standings, talking any baseball news there. NFL draft, it'll be about a month away, so we'll start shifting our focus there, and we'll probably do like a first round, maybe uh, kind of a mock for you with Eric. So as it feels like it starts to slow down, there's always, always a ton of stuff happening. As uh, Yeah, I'm really going to be pumped for Louisiana Downs. Looking forward to talking a lot of Louisiana Downs racing with all of you. Have a nice rest of your week. We'll be back later in the week with another episode to preview all the big stuff for the weekend. Joey, my friend, take it away.